Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 101st edition of the Chronicles of Podcast. And these are the Chronicles of Lydia Mark. It is I, the bearded Brummy Jamie, and joining me, as always, as always, is this man right here. You really disnified the these. I loved it. It's the Scotsman, Tom. <laughs> What's going on, guys? Welcome to the Chronicles of Podcast. Hit it! There. You're about to enjoy the Chronicles of Tom and Jamie. Hi everyone, I'm Kevin Mann. Hey guys, my name's Annabelle Knight. Hello, this is Becky Baldwin. Hello, I'm Chesney. Hey, what's up everyone? This is Brayden from Say We Can Fly. Well, hello everyone, I'm Lydia Mark. I'm an actress and a plate spinner, utensil spinner, as you put it. And you are listening to the Chronicles of Podcast with Jamie and Tom. Men don't realise how much they pee on themselves. I need a pizza, Daddy. A Papa John, if you will. 100 bonds where it goes downhill, apparently. <laughs> James. Joining us this week is Lydia Mark. Two. Oh, I have one. Lydia Mark is an actress, model, writer who is spinning every goddamn plate imaginable. She's modelled on the catwalk. She's been in photo shoots, even in adverts like Clearasil. And most notably, she can be seen on the screen in Showtime hit series Ghosts of Beirut. This interview is absolutely phenomenal. I know we say this about every interview, but it's phenomenal. It's inspirational. And I absolutely love this one. Yeah, you, you're not you're not wrong, James. Like Lydia's an absolute legend. Um, just so down to earth, so on our level. It's just fucking great. That's what I. There's there's no other way I can actually ex- tell you guys about this. How good this interview is. It's just listen to it because you're gonna come on. A, it, it'll be over before you know it. That's how good it is. That's <laughs> in my opinion. Um, so I literally just want to dive right in because it's, I don't want to keep, you know, the, the anticipation you must be feeling right now, like ready for this interview. Uh, sorry. Yes, I know. I'll get on with it. My apologies. Jamie. Yes, sir. Do you happen to have at all in your little pouch? Any final words at all? Just a massive thank you to Lydia. Thank you so much for joining us and sharing your story. It's absolutely incredible to hear. I absolutely love this one. And a massive friend to our friend Tom Brumpton for helping us organise this one. Thank you very much, sir. Everyone, enjoy. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm shout out, shout out to Tom Brumpton for this one. It's, uh, <laughs> it is massively appreciated. Uh, Lydia, thank you so much for taking the time to sit and chat to us. It got mental and it was great. And I can't wait to do it again already. It's going to be absolutely wonderful. So, ladies and gentlemen, here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, interviewing this week, it's Lydia Marcha. Absolutely fucking questions. How does that sound? That sounds like my perfect Tuesday night. Yeah. Oh. Is it Tuesday? It is Tuesday. It is. Yeah, yeah, it is. I have to pick myself then. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Let's do this little intro and we'll get underway. Ladies and gentlemen, today we bring you another incredibly talented guest. This week's guest is a person who likes to not only spin many plates, 
but probably every utensil in the kitchen, to be quite honest. Most notably, she's a model and actress who's been seen on stage, film, commercials, and quite frankly, everywhere in between. Here to talk all about her most recent role in Showtime hit series Ghosts of Beiru and so much more. Boys and girls, put your hands together as we bring you the Chronicles of Lydia Mark. Hello, everyone. Oh, I like that. The Chronicles of Lydia. That's great. Yeah, this is all about you. <laughs> this, is, this is how we roll. But I'm going to get into the really hard-hitting stuff straight away because, obviously, um, I'm always intrigued, especially only because it was three and a half years ago. But how was the last few years for you? How was your pandemic season? Because, obviously, governments and people went, the, the movie industry, the music industry, yeah, we're not interested. Mm, mm. I slightly feel like I'm in some sort of parallel universe, honestly. I feel like the last three years just didn't happen. I I went in there a certain age and I came out another one and I was like, where was all the space in between? So I'm sure people can can relate to that. But it was it was a very challenging time actually. I was at a barbecue like um, this weekend and I was chatting to um, another actor friend of mine and we were talking about just how much if you are a 2019 or a 2020 graduate from drama school, your life was miserable. Because in a sense of like, that is the time where you're gearing up, you're ready to get into the industry, you're excited, you're like, am I gonna get an agent? And everyone knows that showcases are basically a zoo. So you have to prepare yourself for that. Um, but then when you graduate, so I graduated in 2019, and for me it was like, Everyone was not really, the pandemic was kind of a thing, we weren't really talking about it. And then boom, 2020 hits in March. And then you have been out of drama school for about four months, five months, and you haven't had enough time to make any leeway in the industry. And because you're not a 2020 graduate, you don't get any slack. No one feels sorry for you. Everyone's like, well, what are you worried about? You've graduated already. And you're like, well, no, you don't understand how this industry works. That's, that's not the way it works. So it was it was definitely a challenging time, but you know we made it through, and here we are. So yeah, <laughs> you made it. That's all that counts. You made it. Yeah. <laughs> so take us back to the start for you, Lydia. What did young little Miss Lydia wish to be when she was growing up? Has it always been entertainment for you, or something completely different, like I don't know, chef or karate instructor? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I would say little Lydia did not want to be one of the top five acceptable careers. So let me break this down for you. So coming from a African home where your parents, it's only acceptable for you to do one of the top five degrees. So either that's a doctor, a lawyer, an engineer, a teacher, and some other important thing that I can't remember. I don't want to do any of those. So for me, I was like, right. I really love this entertainment stuff. And I mean, I grew up, I probably shouldn't admit this, but I grew up just being babysat by TV, watching TV all the time, movies, like shows. And I just started to fall in love with that world. And it's hilarious now because it's not so great. But back in the day, if anyone knows who's from London or who just watches soaps in general, EastEnders used to bang. So <laughs> it did, didn't it? It's, it's it did back in the day, don't know, but it did right. back in the day. Exactly, so hey, EastEnders used to bang. So I remember watching that and I remember watching, I'm like, if you remember, do you remember Stacey Slater and like all these people, even before then, like Dirty Dan, Sharon, like all those stories. And I was like, damn, whatever these people are doing, 
I want to do that. So I just started from there. And then I remember like going to like a youth drama school. Um, and the reason why I went is because I was like, well, what the fuck else am I going to do? And also my mom was like, right, you can go to this drama school to take your little sister with you as well. So that was a whole thing too. Went to this drama school and it was a bunch of kids just bouncing around, living their best lives, no structure, no lawyers or mini lawyers in training. So I was like, this this is a place for me. And um, from there, I just really started to love the craft and that's how it developed. That's incredible. What did your parents say when you said that's what you wanted to do? Oh my gosh. I mean, do they do they know what I'm actually doing? No, I'm joking. They do. <laughs> they do. I'm a doctor. I'm a doctor, dad. I'm a doctor. I'm a doctor. <laughs> I mean, it was it was a long journey, I would say, in terms of like convincing, convincing my family that this is what I wanted to do. You know, they I'm, I'm sure they very much felt like, oh, you know, this is a phase. She's, she's gonna snap out of it. She's gonna become a lawyer. That's what's gonna happen. And then the years went by, and they're like, oh, she's not, she's not like enrolling on this course, or you know, she's not, she's not getting married or anything. So. It was the whole thing of me just accepting that this is what I want to do and just finally acknowledging to myself that, you know, I am an artist and that's that's where my passion lies. And then when I had that bravery to first admit it to myself, then I didn't have to convince them. That's amazing. amazing. But to do the line of work you do, you've obviously got to have a bit of an outgoing personality and that confidence to put yourself out there. Have you always been like that since a kid or is that something you sort of grew into? I would say, like, it's funny because it was phases. I mean, I remember my mum used to tell me that when I was super little, um, we have this, we all have a first day and a first year portrait in my parents' house. And um, my mum said that when I went for my first year portrait, I was posing, I was ready. So imagine a one-year-old doing, giving the most, Given the poses, the photographer was like, yeah, bam, bam, no crying in sight. Whereas my sister, she hated like the line, like she absolutely hated it. And I would, um, there's me as a three-year-old be like, do this or, you know, do this or whatever. <laughs> my mom was <laughs> she knew that I was gonna go into this industry, which was actually quite hilarious. But then when I started to grow up a bit, I don't know, like sometimes when you go to school, you kind of, lose a bit of yourself because sometimes you try and fit in perhaps and I think that definitely happened to me and I and I wanted to ignore like all the artistic stuff because that wasn't cool and that wasn't like what everyone else was doing everyone was playing sports or like hanging out or kissing boys or whatever and I was like no I just want to read all my books and all this kind of stuff so I think my confidence perhaps dipped a little bit but Again, as I started to come into myself and as I started to just really accept who it is that I wanted to be, um, I would say that the confidence just went from there. And even if you don't feel confident, you have to fake it till you make it. That is that is a big component. And eventually you just start believing it. <laughs> yeah, it abs absolutely. <laughs> I, I, the amount of times we hear that phrase, fake it till you make it. And it's so, mm. so true. So true. true. It's true. It's something about just tricking your brain into the sense of, no, no, I am this person and I can do this thing. And eventually you just start to be able to do it. It's, it's so bizarre, but I'm, I'm sure there's a bunch of science to back that up. But, you know, you guys can read it that, that, that later. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't do science. 
So other than EastEnders, then, did you have any like real influences that made you like that go, yep, this is why I want to do it because of this person. Look at this they've done or look at what they've achieved. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, EastEnders is one thing, but yes, real, real influences. I remember like just going to theatres. Theatres was something that I really, really enjoyed doing. And I remember seeing some fantastic plays. I remember seeing Andrew Scott um, at the Armida. I remember seeing Wendell at the Young Vic. Um, and all these performances just really stick, like, stick with you and they stuck with me because I didn't see an actor performing. I didn't see um, the set or anything. I just saw a person living. And then when I would see performances like that, I was like, this, this is what acting is about, you know? It's about living as this person. And I, it sounds really mystical and woo-woo, but at the same time, it's like, people don't go to the movies or to the theater to go and see characters. They go to see people, at least representations of people. So I think always seeing great theater, and I live in London, grew up in London. So it's such a privilege because we have amazing like theater on our doorstep. And, you know, being a city kid, I mean, we didn't have fields or amazing beaches to go to. I mean, we went to the national, but that was fine. That was okay. Um, <laughs> a nice trade-off. Um, so yeah, a lot of influences there and amazing films, TV, and um, The Godfather's like two is one of my favorite, favorite films. I remember watching Al Pacino and thinking, what, what is he doing? Um, so <laughs> all of that stuff, honestly, you just think, what are they doing? And, um, I was like, I have to get on this journey to figure out what they're doing. <laughs> That's amazing. So I, I said in my intro there, like you're a person that spins many plates. Like I was reading the things you do is acting, modeling. I, I saw you do singing, gospel singing, dancing. I swear I even saw puppetry written somewhere. But, <laughs> but what is it that made you want to try? Was it sort of like one thing leads into another? Oh, I should learn this for this role sort of thing. Or was it just a case of I want to learn and absorb as many things as I possibly can? Um, I think, like I said, I've always been a kind of, creative person i mean in terms of like science and maths all that kind of stuff i was good at it but i had to really work hard and study and uh, that's just a chore but then when you find this <laughs> thanks cool kids it is good <laughs> school though is <laughs> it's, it's sometimes it's a chore and i was more inclined to the things that just were creative i mean I, I used to play piano from the time when I was 10. I played piano for about six years. I do need to pick it back up again because I really enjoyed it. But it's just that kind of stuff. That was just something I did, you know? And then acting classes, again, was I was influenced by like soaps and movies and stuff. Again, it was something I just kind of tried. Um, the modeling came along uh, while I was actually at one of my acting classes and my dance teacher, she said to me, you know, you should really try and um, try and modeling. And um, I was like, okay, let's let's give it a go, kind of thing. And, and I was doing that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but apparently, it was it was destiny because one year of Lydia was already showing the signs. So there you go. Maybe there is something about just like just letting go and just seeing where life takes you. And I think I've kind of done that with all my creative careers. But I would say acting is the one that has really followed me my whole life it's the one that has always been that tap on my shoulder that's been like 
hey, like you should, you should really do this. You should really like focus on it. And when I'm learning about it, when I'm in rehearsals, even if I'm reading a book, I mean, time just flies. And that's how I know that it's something that is really I'm supposed to do. I just had this imagine that you were in one of your acting classes and you just turned and happened to like pose <laughs> randomly. And the teacher was like, oh, my, everyone like flew backwards. Like, oh my God. <laughs> that's exactly what? how it happened. <laughs> <laughs> like this massive aura came out and it's like shone light it's like oh like I'm exactly. here. <laughs> everyone knew i had arrived so i was like yes yeah. why are you not taking my picture right now <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> amazing exactly <sighs> yeah obviously I, I went to my trusty friend google for my information uh so forgive me mm. if this isn't correct but the earliest credit I could see for you was a modelling job working uh, a Clearasol campaign. Is that is that right? Was that the first thing you did? Uh, was, was that the first, first gig? I think it's the first gig I got paid for. So that's important, you know. That's <laughs> important to know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> because you do, you do stuff. And I remember I was like, I had this extra role on this. Um, it was like a... What was his name? Uh, Stephen Baldwin movie, actually. So hilarious. Like... Out of nowhere, I just stepped on the scene. And I was like, "What am I? Am I doing?" I don't even think the film even came out. But for me, I was like, "Damn, this is the biggest thing in the world!" Like, "Oh my god!" I'm, I didn't know it was an extra at the time. But I was like, "Mom, like, I'm, I'm acting, you know?" So in a real thing, um, so that that wouldn't count. That definitely not the first credit. But I would say, yeah, I did a campaign for Clearasil so long ago now, and um, yeah, I remember it was a bunch of us, and we were. It was this was before um social media actually took off big that's just showing my age right there um this was before instagram all of that kind of stuff so the uh the clients were asking for a commercial which was take a selfie and at the time selfie had just started just people were just starting to do it um so i remember that very clearly being like okay this is this is an interesting new world now because now I get paid for it. Um, so yeah, it was it was really fun and yeah, such a great experience. It's, it's I've always found it, found it fascinating with modelling. Like, how do you get yourself out there into the world to appear in these sort of campaigns? Because obviously, acting you to go to auditions, you can send mm. self tapes and that sort of stuff. For modelling, what is it? It's just going here. Look, it's a picture of me. Like honestly, you... <laughs> honestly, that is exactly how it is. It's like here. <laughs> Here's a picture of me. Modeling is not like acting in the sense of you absolutely have a skill. So I'm, I'm not going to do my fellow models disservice by saying that it's not a skill. It's a type of skill. Um, absolutely. Because it's hard to sometimes stand there and figure out what your best angles are and how to look good. Because you could be surprised. You could just stand in a photo and it doesn't evoke the same emotion that perhaps uh, a photo needs to. And um, with modeling, it's very much, I don't know how to describe it. I mean, back in the day before social media, you would just go around to agencies, used to do these things called, um, they're called go-sees in America, so they're called walk-ins in the UK. And you'd walk into an agency with your Polaroids in your hand, like actual Polaroids, and you would go there and you'd be like, hey, here's a picture of me, look at me. And that would be that. <laughs> and you either got signed or you didn't. And then you move on to the next one. And sometimes you do that for like a whole day until eventually you get in the door. Um, 
that's one type of way. Some models are like super lucky and they get picked up on the street and the next day they're Kate Moss. It just depends. Um, but it's, a, it's one of those careers that is based off of the way you look. So there's not really much you can do about it. Um, you kind of just have to hope for the best. Or throw your bra at Drake and get put in Playboy. Yeah. Like, yeah. So, Works for um, Pamela and certain people. So yeah, why not? That's another way into. <laughs> that's a genuine story. Jamie got really confused. That's I a genuine not... story that happened. I think it was last week or something. Yeah. <laughs> I have not heard that. <laughs> so yeah, Playboy were interested because of the size of the bra, basically. <laughs> anyway, let's move on. Um, gotcha. So but obviously, in modelling, you're technically selling something aren't you with a jumper or clearasil in your in your case or whatever so like i imagine how i mean with clearasil obviously that's a skin product isn't it mm. is yeah, it skin product yeah yeah, sort of yeah for some yeah. reason toothpaste came into my head i don't know why so <laughs> do not put that <laughs> on your toothbrush how would you model toothpaste yeah do not put clearasil on your toothbrush that's a hard no. one <laughs> yeah please do but obviously so that's obviously a skin thing so i imagine mm. Because I remember the adverts where they used to like randomly slowly throw water in their face and water would very <laughs> slowly splash out. I remember, I remember so obviously if that's not going to be involved. It's just a case of is it here you go? Look, look, I use Chris, you go, you can see. Uh, that's perfect. To... Just take a snapshot right there. That is the Clearasil ad right there. <laughs> oh. Can you see any spots? No, shit works. No. There you go. Job done. <laughs> This is why I don't work in marketing. <laughs> <laughs> but like, like we say, you've done commercials, you've done theatre, you've you know you've been in short films, you've done TV. Like, have you got a particular favourite outlet that you really enjoy working, or is it just give me all the jobs and I'll do them? I mean, I yes, give me all the jobs, give me all the money. No, I'm joking. <laughs> um, it, it's more like I would say. I love theatre, but screen is is my passion. I think I love going to the theatre. I love watching it. I love being in plays. And I think that there's so many amazing um, things that you can learn being a theatre actor. But there's, there's something about the screen. It's about this. It's so, it's so close. It's so personal. It's like, I mean, you're on set and you're, you could be whispering to like your scene partner because it's there, like it's right there with you. And the audience is a fly on the wall, you know, the audience is interrupting a private moment. So, and because you don't have all the stuff around, like, you know, the curtain and the chair and the old lady coughing over there, you know, <laughs> it, just, <laughs> it just feels really personal. And it feels like you are really interrupting a private moment. And I just really love that. And I love the things that you can do as a screen actor. It's, it's all in the eyes. And I think the best actors for me and the actors that I really enjoy watching, like Robert De Niro, like Al Pacino, like Viola Davis, they have got some eyeballs. You know, they've got some eyes. They've got control of their eyes. And for me, like, that's so important because the story's in the eyes. <laughs> oh, no, I, I, I get exactly what you're saying there. And it goes back to what you were saying with modeling and those parallels, because you've got to be able to portray that emotion, that sort of thing. And the, yeah. what's, what's the expression? The eyes are the window to the soul. And that comes, soul. A, it comes yes, across, exactly. you know, you portray all sorts of emotions in that, even if it is just a picture or on film or on stage, whatever it might be. So you're absolutely right. 
Yeah. Oh, the, what the earliest credit I could find for you regarding TV work was an appearance in Yonderland on Sky One as Game Show Girl. Is that the first time you were on camera, or is the internet lying to me again? Yeah, I think that again was the first time again. Another time I'm like, oh my God, I got paid for it. And with <laughs> this one, it was hilarious again because that came to me like as a model, you know? Sometimes um, when, you, when you're a model and um, you do have the opportunity to like do really cool things that like you get to travel, you get to do runway, you get to do print. And sometimes you also get to do commercials and acting. And I remember that's how I, I got this job. And I just came on the set and I was like, right, I'm just gonna be here and we're gonna be this, this person or whatever. And I remember I actually got changed to play another part. And um, I don't know, I must've not done well, because it's not a sense of done well, but I was just living my best life. I'll just put it that way. And <laughs> The director came over to me and said, you, I want you to play this part now. And I was like, oh, okay, me. And then it, it just it just went on from there. So again, that's just another, like, it show, it's another instance to me that when you're really doing something that you love and when you are passionate about something and you bring your best to it, people will see that. And I think that's such a big thing in this industry. It's a thing of... Don't worry about what other people are doing or what people are saying. It's about what you're doing, what you're giving to it. And if you're doing the best that you can, and if you're enjoying yourself, well, that's going to shine through. And that's that's what happened to me. And then from then on, I thought, you know what, this acting stuff, like, this is the aspect of modeling that I actually love the most. It's the being a different person. It's the putting on a different persona. When I wear like, a trench coat, I feel like a different person as opposed to when I'm wearing a pair of beach shorts and a hat, I feel like someone else. So that's when I really started to think, okay, you need to focus on this active thing because that's the part that keeps on coming back to you. And from there, I was like, you know, I don't want to be um, one of those people who gets an opportunity and just kind of like coast through. I was like, no, I actually want to learn this shit. I actually want to do this. And that was a big impetus for me to uh, apply for drama school, which was another crazy experience in itself <laughs> that's um that's a matter there's something you said there. i just want to quickly take it back mm. to i don't want to keep bringing up modeling sorry but you mentioned you've done runway there mm. that is something that fascinates me runway modeling what is that like it looks bizarre quite frankly <laughs> just imagine a third okay maybe 13 is a bit young a 14 or 15 year old boy who's had sex for the first time that's that's what I'll say. It's quick, it's done, it's the adrenaline is there, and then you're like 15 minutes later, you're like, oh, what happened? Not even 15 minutes, two minutes. <laughs> and he or she's led there like, that was good for you. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, was that good for you guys? Yeah, cool. Okay, let's go home. It's that. <laughs> I hope I painted the picture of the world of runaway for you. And um, yeah, and you get to wear some nice clothes. Oh, as well. That is not where I saw that answer going. No. That's the best analogy of anything ever described, I think, <laughs> ever in the history of conversations. There you go. The Chronicles of Lydia is what you get. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
obviously you've done quite a few stage shows while Jamie dies. I'll keep going. Oh, um, you've done quite a few stage shows and obviously you're in TV and film currently, but do you prepare any differently depending on what it is you're doing? So obviously stage is live audience. You know, there's people there, anything could happen sort of thing. Whereas TV and movies, obviously you have that time to prepare. You do a scene and then maybe you've got a scene tomorrow when it's say so you have to learn parts of the script where stage is like, learn all of this in this time. That is a very good question because you do sort of, at least I do, I feel I have to prepare slightly differently. Um, when it comes to the character, I feel like the preparation is, is more or less the same. I create this person in, uh, in theater, you have um, more opportunity to discover. You have rehearsals, you have a longer getting period, you get to spend a lot of time with the director. So that character really develops over the course of couple of weeks, maybe even a couple of months, depending on the production. Um, but for film, you don't get the rehearsal. You very rarely get rehearsals, unless it's a particularly technical scene or there's a lot of blocking or a stunt or something, perhaps you get rehearsal. So in that regard, you kind of have to do all your prep before. You need to pretty much know who this person is when you arrive on the set. There's no time to discover. And the director doesn't have time to spend with you unless um, it's a huge thing or you're the lead or whatever, then perhaps you do have a bit of that time. Also, another huge difference is the fact that theater is, is ongoing. You start the story from the beginning and it ends at a certain point. So you get to follow that character's journey from the beginning to the end. Mm. So you know exactly what the character's feeling, where they're going, all this kind of stuff. In film, my uncle could have died on the first day of filming, and then on the last day of filming, he's alive again. So obviously, that's not the way it's going to turn of out. Course, yeah. have, but you have to, you have to know where you the are. The zombie film, Tom. That's what it was a zombie yeah, film. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but you have to know where you are as a film actor. So what I do is I always um, make mental, like, titles about okay in this scene Lydia does this in this scene she's been there so no matter where they'd say that okay where's she in scene 28 today well I know that scene 28 is when I feel like this and so therefore even if it's the first day of shooting or the last or the middle I know how I'm supposed to feel at that particular point of the movie wow that's just blowing my mind the yeah. fact that obviously <laughs> they do things that way around must really throw i think for people starting out must go wait hang on a second but he's died in this part but this part's later than the part we're doing in a couple of days because like what why do they do it that way around is there a specific reason for it or is it just we've got this for this day so we'll do this scene these scenes now we've got this part for this day so we'll just do these scenes now yeah it's so bizarre but it could be any reason it could be perhaps if you have like an outdoor scene for example and you know that the weather is going to be a certain way, well, you know you're going to shoot that scene first. If you have the luxury of being in a studio and having a secure sound stage and everything, well, then you kind of have a bit more leniency. But if you're on location, say that house is only available on these dates, well, you have to make sure you shoot that over there. So the actor's comfort, the actor's um, well-being and sanity is not really top priority. You know, it's... <laughs> about the film. So in that case, as an actor on screen, you have to know what the fuck's going on. You have to know where you are, 
what's going on in that moment and how you feel most importantly and where you just came from. Because in the movie, the audience is going to see where you came from, but you didn't get to experience that because you haven't done it yet. So it's really about staying on top of on top of it. That's nuts. So how do you, I, I think you might have already explained this, but I'm going to go in anyway. How would you approach a script? Because obviously, like I said, the play is there, done, all of it, go. And the movie is obviously in bits and pieces. So, like, do you do, would you prepare your scripts differently? Do you how do you remember the lines as well, especially for stage? Because if you're a main character, you're like I'd be like, uh, hello, something <laughs> happened earlier. Oh no! Like, do you know what I mean, I I would absolutely shit a brick. Whereas in TV movie, like, oh yeah, I remember this bit because it's where this happened. But I only mm. have to learn certain parts. Yeah, yeah, you're you're so right. You hit the nail on the head because especially with theatre as well. Theatre is so wordy, like it's words and senses and images and you have to create all of this. You kind of have to see the images in your head, at least that's what mm. I try and do. I I have a couple of tricks as well as the regular, you know, woo-woo, like, oh, I'm just an actor and I just get it stuff, you know? <laughs> there is an element of both, you know? There are tricks, but there is also an element of just that, magic that happens when you just kind of just say you know what i've kind of drilled it as much as i can i'm about to go on if i forget my line it is what it is you know and it's it is so nerve-wracking when you're at the beginning of your career i remember i would be shitting myself like going on stage like i'll be waiting and i'll be like oh my god like i hope they say this word like this because then i remember it that way and then i then i can say this and that but then the more experience I got, I was like, no, just fuck it. If you forget a line, it's okay. And sometimes those moments where you forget stuff is where like something magical happens, you know? You forget a line a certain way. And or maybe your scene partner saves you, you know. With theater, there's always this dangerous dance that you do of, oh, oh my god, am I gonna fuck up the whole play? You know? And maybe that's <laughs> and maybe that's the fire. But sometimes actors, maybe that's part of what we do, you know, there is that thrill with theatre that isn't always there with screen. I think screen, you always have to find a way to keep it fresh. Even though you may have said or done this thing five, six times in a row, it has to be like the first time. You have to find that motivation for why you're doing that thing. So I think when I'm um, like, preparing for the two, I always think about that, especially with screen. It's like, how can you make it different? Because, or how can you make it like it's the first time, even though you've done it multiple times in a row? And with theater, the audience is giving you the buzz, they're giving you the energy, you want to be good for them. With screen, I mean, who am I being good for? The, the sound guy, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it is it's very important. Everyone is very important. But, you know, of course, it's it's doing it for the audience. But the difference is you don't get that quick reward because you can't see the audience, you know? So yeah. you have to kind of just imagine the cameras who they are. I love the idea of somebody in a theatre show, an audience member, get up and going, actually, I think you'll find it's the fire burns brightly in the night sky. Thank you very much. And sits back down again. That would be absolutely amazing. I, don't, I wonder if that's ever happened. Got to that. Not to me, thankfully. Oh my God, I can't even imagine an overzealous audience member being like, uh, no, Shakespeare said, too sunny flesh, actually. <laughs> <laughs>
Oh my! I mean, that's a whole different kettle of fish. Fuck doing Shakespeare. All those stupid, <laughs> like, no offense to people that love Shakespeare, but all those ridiculous words. What do you need? Just do it properly. It's 2023 now, all right? We don't need Shakespeare in Shakespearean time because no one says those words anymore. Nobody. Uh, I you know, just... right? Oh, don't you, you just... find it so weird as well when you watch, um, like, modern stuff, you know? Like, even though I love Romeo and Juliet, the Baz Luhrmann version, but isn't it so weird when you watch modern stuff but with Shakespearean language? You're like, what's going on kind of thing? Yeah. Dost thou know what through yonder window breaks or whatever? I don't know what it is. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> sorry, you're breaking a window? Over there? Is that what's going on? Or... <laughs> That's what it sounds like. It's true. <laughs> Like Leo, come on, you're in Titanic, mate. What's wrong with you? Bro, what's going on here? Like, you're breaking windows now. Come on. <laughs> oh, sorry. Oh. oh I think I think don't know what you're saying. Not not the Shakespeare stuff. What you're saying before is why some people are so bloody passionate about theatres though. You speak to some theatre actors and like, oh theatre, it is my life, darling. Like so passionate about it. And you mm. you gotta respect it as a and it's all the one thing I also really respect about theatre actors is a lot different to film. Film, you film it once, cut, done. Theatre, you are doing that same show sometimes multiple times a day for months on it. By the end of the run, I'll be like, yeah, he said this. I, I've, I've done this for weeks now. I couldn't give a fuck, love. I'd, I'd be so Absolutely. done with it. Yeah, I mean, there is a few, there's a case to that too, you know, and it's like... With screen, even though you're doing it five times in a row and you have to find something fresh for yourself or make it, find the motivation for why you're saying stuff, you're totally right. With theatre, doing the same show over and over again, you have to treat every show like it's a new day. It's mm. a new thing, you know? Because if you don't, the words just kind of bleh, bleh, turn into <laughs> something, you know? And that's not exciting for an audience. And they pay £60 or whatever they pay. You, you want to give them a great show. And for you as an actor, that's that's not entertaining. Everyone can tell when an actor is stale or has done the play too many times. You could just tell. Yeah, I can imagine to be fair. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but in 2021, you got an incredible opportunity to appear, of all things, a model in Disney's Cruella movie. How did that come about? Because that's fucking awesome. Yeah, that was really sick. It was, uh, well, my part was cut, which is sad, but, you know, oh, we were still, we were still, I know, it's, it's, it's one of those things. It's like, when you're, it, you have to trust that the director or the editor, whatever they're doing, the point is, is for the story. And sometimes as a new actor, that's disheartening, you know, because, when you're not the lead or you're not the star, like the story isn't about you, hun. You know, at the end of the day, it's it's about Emma Stone. So even though you're you're there or you have a part or whatever, it's like sometimes that may not make it in there. So for me, that came about again. That was another one that was like a it was like they mostly wanted models, so that was a big advantage for me to get that role. And also, they wanted a little bit of. Um, not that I'm, I don't do stunts at all, but they wanted a bit of, you know, tumble, a bit of something going on in that scene. I don't know if you've seen it. It was the scene where there's like 
a whole big kerfuffle at the fashion show kind of thing. And obviously I'd done that experience. So for me, it was like, okay, I'm not even playing a part in this one. I'm kind of just being me or just imagining that fashion show experience. So that was good because it was just a fun one. It was one that you don't have to think about too much. It was one that you got to wear. I remember I was wearing this amazing silk gown. Like it, it was, it was really great. So it's always one of those things of tongue in cheek with this industry. It's like you have to put so much passion and drive into everything you do. But at the end of the day, you've got to realize that unless you're the lead, you still might get cut. Um, so that is, that's the thing in itself. Must have been an amazing experience, though, just to be on set and just to be there and be within, you know what I mean? Like in a Disney production. Oh, my God, totally. I mean, that's a dream. Like, Disney productions are, they're huge. There's there's so many people. There's amazing outfits, like even great food on set. So, yeah, yes, always a score. This is it. (laughs) Huge. And also, you get to you get to be around like amazing actors. I remember like watching Emma Stone and watching um, Emma Thompson as well, and like just seeing their performances as well. You know, it's like you get that first-hand experience that you don't get from drama school or a textbook or whatever. With acting, you kind of just need to be on set and just do the job, regardless of whether it makes it into the final cut or not. That experience still stays with you and you take it forward to the next day. Absolutely. I was going to say, even though the role did get cut, unfortunately, it must have just been a great experience. And I suppose being on that set, seeing everything around you, seeing these amazing actors, the camera, the crew, and everything, it must be, did that sort of motivate you to go, yeah, this is what I want to do. This is incredible. Just being there. 100%. I think it depends on who you are, but me, it really, really motivated me. I was like, I am doing this part and I can do it because of course Emma's fantastic like everyone that I was watching was fantastic and you're like you know when you start to think you know I, I could do that oh I know what kind of what she's doing or I know kind of where she's drawing from that's when you start to get excited and get that tingly feeling because you're like I'm on the right track yeah absolutely that's something but I, I, like I said, I, I love like talking to you. The fact you're willing to try and experience and learn new things and just get your name and your face out there. Like we mentioned, film, TV, modeling, that stuff. But you've also done commercials as well. Is is working on commercials different to working on TV and film? I know it's still in front of the camera, but it's much more fast paced and product focused. So is it different, or is it pretty much the same? Yeah, I think commercials are very product focused. But then I say that, but these days, a lot of commercials aim to tell stories as well. I mean, I mean, you always see those Christmas commercials where the bunch of footballers running through no man's land, whatever, the soldiers or something. It was Cadbury's or something that came out mm. and it sparked so much outrage because they're like, oh, is this football going to cure all the wars in the world or whatever they were, they were talking about. Um, but you see the way commercials now, they realize that we need to tell a story because at the end of the day, human beings, we still love that storytelling. We still love telling a story, being told a story. We love to speak through images and to like paint pictures when we talk. So I think that is something that kind of goes through. It's like an undercurrent through everything in a sense that even commercials realize the importance of storytelling. So even they 
um, have some sort of story that is hinged upon. They're crazy, but it's a story nonetheless. And I'll tell you, commercial auditions are just, they're a skill in themselves because you could be in your living room and have to pretend that you are walking through hot lava or, um, I don't know, <laughs> in this alternative universe and your couch flies past you. And it's, it's crazy stuff they ask you to do. And most actors, we all do takes from home now. We don't go to um, studios anymore. We don't go to audition rooms. So you really have to make it work. So that in itself, I think it's a, it's a whole other experience. Um, but commercials are very much trying to also tell stories, but crazy stories. Yeah, I think uh, John Lewis turned around and went, here you go, guys, bring it. I know. <laughs> Sometimes I wonder, like, who comes up with the concepts? Like, who? Like, I actually just, I just, it baffles me. But hey, I will roll on that floor like it's lava. It ain't no problem for me. To be fair, saying that, I can't say I've ever seen a perfume advert that has actually ever tried to sell me perfume. I don't know what them adverts are doing. But exactly. you only know they're about perfumes at the end because they whisper the name of it. That's literally. <laughs> they whisper, yeah. <laughs> absolutely <laughs> it's that whole thing of like what am i actually being sold i don't know they're just trying to sell you an experience that if you uh spread your then maybe you're gonna smell like cara Delevingne. well no you ain't gonna smell like her you know but <laughs> if i if i walk through the desert with a guitar am i gonna turn into johnny depp and for spray some savage like what are you right? doing i don't understand what's happening here <laughs> it's true it's, it's crazy it's hilarious it's all a lifestyle i bet we all wish we were like traipsing through the desert that's everyone's dream right of course <laughs> yeah fully, <you> know? <laughs> fully dressed in the 40 odd degree heat sounds phenomenal yeah. in a suit mm -hmm. yeah. exactly yeah, get that. Yeah. <laughs> um correct me if i'm wrong but you've also been a production mm -hmm. assistant as well on um that's just me with pixie lot in it yeah wow you guys went in you did your research yes yeah. firstly i wonder where the hell she went <laughs> I know, wasn't she a singer yeah i mean pixie's really great she's so lovely she's really sweet but yeah i i mean i kept asking her i remember i was like pixie where's the music and she's like it's coming it's coming so i guess there's some music coming um but i guess like like me she's like you know what i have this opportunity to to act so I'm gonna try it. I'm gonna take it, and she was very good. She was very, very good, actually. So, what does a because you did it for suppression as well? So, what exactly does a production assistant do? When what again is that another way of you going? Well, it gets me there. I guess I get to watch this and do that. What exactly does a production assistant do? So, a production assistant essentially they they just make sure the production runs. This is it. They're okay. not the they're an assistant in the sense that. Whatever the, the talent needs, you help them to do that. You help them to realize the vision of what they want the set to look like. You help them to, it could be anything from any task that they need done to make that scene or that day work. So again, for me, that was a really great way to earn money. Like this is a great thing to do. And I would say if anyone is an up and coming actor, try and get yourself jobs where you can be on set. 
Because at the end of the day, you ain't learning anything being a receptionist. You're not learning anything being a waiter, except for how to open red wine, which is a good skill, but it's not going to get you on set, you know? So it's one of those things like we all have to do, we all have to do survival jobs until we get to a certain stage where we can go out and do exactly just what we want to do. So I think being a production system is awesome. Again, you know, get great food, you get to hang out with actors, you get to, you know, like see how this whole world kind of comes together. And if you're lucky, you don't, you get to go to a cool place and you don't have to wake up super early. So, I mean, it was a really, it's, it's, it's a great job. It's a great job. It can be. That sounds fucking stellar. I mean, I love that food came up again. Absolutely incredible. Always. I think there's a theme here, guys. I think there's a theme. <laughs> You know, with me, everyone knows me. It's 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 food. It is. <laughs> Why did you want to get into acting, Lydia? Uh, catering. Yeah. Catering. Yes. <laughs> yes. The craft services. I was here for. That. <laughs> I suppose, working as a production assistant, you're learning all the different parts of the film set because if you're helping everyone, you're getting to see all these different parts. And in the world of show business. There's that expression, isn't it? It's not what you know, it's who you know. And you're getting to know so many different people. So it's just a really clever idea to get into that work as a young actor. Fair play. 100%. I mean, it is totally about that as well. It's about talent, it's about hard work. But this industry is also an industry of relationships. And people work with people that they know and people that they like. You know, at the end of the day, because it's such a hard thing to do, such a pressurized environment. I mean, when you watch the credits at the end of the movies, you see how many people have been involved in that 90 minute thing, you know? And if they all like each other and if they all get along, well, sure, great, we're going to do that again on the next one. So it makes sense. So if you want to get that experience, if you want to make connections, why not give it a go? Like find a job on set if you can get one. I I totally recommend it. So we really should talk about the most recent project that's been out there that people most likely recognise you from now, being in a couple of episodes of it, and that's Ghost of Beirut. For those unaware, what's the show about? Ghost of Beirut is a espionage thriller. It's a four-part mini series and. I loved working on it because I really love um, stories that are kind of laced with true life. Um, so Ghost of Beirut is an actually, it's a true story and these people existed. Um, so it's about the, the manhunt for um, Imad Mugnier, who was a, a leader that was rising up in, um, in Lebanon. And it was at a time where, you know, the, the US and Mossad had to work together because they were seeing all of these, these novel attacks. And I think it was the first time that they'd ever witnessed like a suicide bombing attempt. Um, there was some hijackings, there was some invasions on compounds. So all of that stuff was happening in the Middle East and Mossad and the CIA had to band together to find this guy. They didn't even know what he looked like. They were going off of a picture from when he was 16. So he essentially was a ghost, this ghost that they, they had to, to find um, before he struck again. So yes, yeah, so it's such a it's a cool story in the sense that it was it was true life, but also you got to see it play out as a TV show as well. 
it's because it's a true story again back to when i was mentioning about scripts and stuff like do you approach that differently because obviously this actually happened yeah i think there is also an added layer of a bit of realism there in the sense that you understand that okay these are events that happened but also this is this productions or the directors or my as the actors retelling of that event so of course you want it to be as close to the truth event as possible on some productions some would just take a loose story and just run with it but with this production it was very much very keeping in line with with what had actually happened and we had really great writers as well who had a lot of experience in in that area so i think it's about doing some research and um i got to do a lot of great research on the role in the sense that i mean it was 2007 so all this information is out there i was alive like i could read about it but also um what the team gave us was also um footage they gave us loads of excerpts from actual cia operatives and Mossad operatives talking about what it was like to to be after this guy and seeing that just before you go on the set as well you're like boom I'm in the zone this is what's happening and you can you can feel it you know you can kind of feel that tension just kind of replicating your performance that's nuts that must have been so cool to watch that back though and have those those people like by the way this is real excerpts from CIA so obviously let's not talk about it but enjoy that must have been mind blowing I would have been like I would have been so like this is the coolest thing I've ever seen forgetting that I had to then act this afterwards do you know what I mean <laughs> Decisions and these decisions have consequences. 
That sounds amazing. <laughs> my next question was going to be, what was it about the script that said to you, I got an audition for this? But the fact you've just got me and him going, oh my God, I need to watch this. I feel like <laughs> I've already answered that question. Like... <laughs> I wasn't even trying, guys. I was not even trying to tell. <laughs> but... The show sells itself. There you go. It's... I mean, that was a big thing. It was the script, you know. Having the two timelines, having like it playing out like that, and... All of that stuff, and I love thrillers. I love espionage shows, Homeland, um, The Blacklist, like all those kinds of shows. Like they just get me excited. So you know that was a big reason as well. I mean, who doesn't want to play spy? Who doesn't want to play secret service? Like, come on, this is the stuff that we that we dream of, but we're too afraid to do. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it was also filmed in Morocco, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah, so um, filmed a shot in Morocco, and um, and we were shooting in this kind of like industrial compound. It was hot as fuck. Like I was <laughs> drenched. Like you would go on set, and then you come out and you'd be drenched. It was it was that kind of heat. And the building that we were filming in as well didn't have any aircon, so we had to keep the the poor crew. Bless them. They were in there. The majority of the time like working away working really hard i mean at least i got to leave here and there so that was a bit of a break um but the team was amazing and we all got along really well we had an amazing director producer writers really talented actors that i got to be around again and all of that kind of stuff just it just made it a win it was it was an amazing amazing time phenomenal uh, it's just, just being in Morocco itself must have been worth it anyway because it's a beautiful country so fair play oh stunning honestly it was I've never been to Morocco that was my first time and it was absolutely gorgeous it was yeah it's, it just feels like another world I mean the the streets are crazy though that is one thing like <laughs> there was like little mini accidents happening like there and here and, and everywhere and you see all the little cars they're all kind of like banged up here and there some cars have lost the bumper or whatever. Um, it, it, it's just a law on its own. So if you ever go drive in Morocco, just remember I told you so. <laughs> but don't. <laughs> just, yeah. But, <laughs> I suppose if anyone's watching this and they've been paying attention to this conversation, I get the question that everyone's mind is going to be, but Lydia, what was the craft services like in Morocco? This is it. Oh, this is the question, right? How rude of me, the fact that I didn't even start with the craft services. What am I doing? <laughs> the, food, the food was great on Ghost to Beirut. I had a great omelet chef every morning. It, it was fantastic. <laughs> oh. So, sp speaking of the future now, I, I saw... In another interview you did, you said you were working on your debut film script. Is is that still happening? What's going on with this? Yeah, so the script is finished. It was something that my writing partner and I we wrote um during the, the pandemic, actually. I remember your your first question to me in the beginning, guys, was about the pandemic and like how to get over that kind of thing. And writing was a big thing for me as well. It was like something just to do i mean i've always like written things here and there but i've never actually thought i could write a whole script and um when i was locked in the in the house i was like right there's nothing to do but write the script so i sat there wrote the script 
And now it's it's out there and it's got really, really amazing and positive like feedback and review. So at the moment, it is currently searching for its director and um, it's being developed at the moment. That's incredible. So your first ever script has been picked up. That is wow. <laughs> Crazy. Like sometimes I have to like look, I'm like, is that actually me? Like the, the person that I was before the pandemic, I'm just like, that is just not, you just find that you're just a different person. Sometimes when you look back on all the things that you've done and then you realize, and then you're like, wow, like I've achieved all this stuff. It just shows you that when you're going up that mountain, you can't look at the journey. It's only when you look back when you realize how far you come. It sounds cheesy as fuck, but it's true. Because if you if you look back when you're going up the mountain, you're not gonna get there, you know? But when you look back when you do get there, then it's like, look at how far, you know? Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, yeah. yeah. I experienced that mountain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you, you know, model, writer, actress, stage performer, uh, unbelievable singing voice, skilled in puppetry and public speaking. Lydia, is there anything you can't do? Hmm, that's the question. I know, someone needs to, like, throw me in the deep end. Maybe I need to start doing my own stunts. Maybe that's the next thing. Oh, yes. Especially <laughs> being in a spy show, that would be unbelievable. Yeah, okay, you heard it here. Starting the stunt career, all right, that's it, that's it. <laughs> Before you had to pretend your sofa was flying past you, now you just got to actually get it to fly past you and you I'm jump over ride, or something. I'm going to surf that sofa, you know. That is, that's <laughs> goal. yeah. I'll come back to my notes. <laughs> but Lydia, <laughs> would like you pretend to walk over hot lava. Pretend? I think not. Come exactly, on. pretend. I've got... <laughs> Put a lever down the floor, move it away. You're like, well, let's actually do it, shall we? <laughs> And then she comes out with no feet. <laughs> <laughs> and for some reason, the sharks start jumping through it. You're like, yeah, that's fine. Don't worry about them. They're cool. Don't worry. That's Billy. That's Jake. We're fine. <laughs> Go way back. <laughs> anyway, uh, sorry. <laughs> is, is there anything else that you're working on at the minute that you're, you're allowed to talk about at least? Um, so also got another script in the pipeline as well, which has also been picked up. This is going to be a fun one in the sense that it's a Christmas story in the same way Die Hard is a Christmas story. So um, there's that also in the pipeline as well. And um, it's really great to just be writing as well now and actually have an outlet for these projects as well, because as you know, our industry is just, is going through a, a tough time. You know, everyone is kind of, trying to keep their wits about them and stay strong and stay, you know, connected in this time. But it is a slow time for a lot of actors. Um, it is a hard time while um, SAG and the WGA um, wait and, and fight for, for what they deserve. So it is a really good time to kind of like turn the focus somewhere else for a while and kind of just have that creative expression and just keep freaking sane you know because you can't you can't just sit around waiting to see what happens you just kind of have to find a way to make yourself happy and to just enjoy like just being a creative even though there's not always the outlet to do that right now does the does the ai stuff concern you at all 
It does, actually. I know I've been on sets where I've you've stood in a booth and there's like thousands of cameras and they take your photo and then they have that image. They they can essentially do what they want with that image, you know? And of course you get paid for it, but there are certain conversations happening where um, there's been talk about having those kinds of images in perpetuity. And I mean, it's just crazy to think that um, my partner was telling me about something that Will I Am said the other day, actually, where he said that Nike owns the swoosh, Adidas owns the three stripes, but I don't own my own likeness. I think that just kind of summed it up perfectly. When you think about it like that, you're like, mic drop moment. How yeah. can I not own my own fucking image? My own face, you know? It's my face and it's it's my talent. So it's like, of course, it's a team effort, but at the same time, it's like, you can't cut the people out that have done the work and who are the creatives, you know? It has to be some sort of, of reasoning in, in, in terms of what they're trying to do with the AI. I've never thought of it like that. That's really, like, taking me back a minute. Yeah, that right? is really scary. <laughs> Yeah, isn't it scary? Yeah, totally. And I think when people start to hear things like this, I mean, it's very tempting to see actors and to see um, um, singers and, and whoever's in this industry. You see them, you're like, you know, they got loads of money. Like, shut the hell up. What are you guys complaining about? Well, no, if you think about it, they're actually fighting for the people who don't have a voice. The people who aren't the Margot Robbies or the Robert Downey Juniors, they are not listened to those people who they don't have a name that everyone knows, you know? But it takes the people who do have names to speak up and bring awareness to it as well. Because these people are the ones that will move the needle. These people are the ones that everyone knows their face. So when people start to ask questions in terms of the audience and like, why am I not seeing such and such for, for, for a while? And then they start to, to read into it. They start to dig into it and all this kind of stuff. And that brings awareness to what's going on. And I think it's very damaging to when a lot of news outlets are placing these main actors in the boat of, well, you guys are rich and famous, shut the fuck up. It's, it's not about that. It's about all the other people who are just making a living, you know, and are just doing this day to day and aren't super famous. Exactly. These people are protecting the future of the industry that they love. Like there's a there's a writer that I listened to talk to on a podcast and he was saying, My name's out there. People know who I am. I've done this stuff, but yeah. there's people I work with who are still struggling to get their name out there. And if AI starts writing things for these people, how are they yeah. ever going to get their names out there? How are um, we ever going to get these great scripts out there? It's just not possible. Absolutely. And and AI is it has a place, absolutely. And I, I do see a lot of areas where it can greatly help the film industry where it does like cut some costs here and there but it cannot be at the expense of people because at the end of the day people have put their soul and their and their joy and their heart and their pain into all this work and that's what makes viewers watch it you know that's what gets viewers hooked because the words that the actor's saying the way the actor's saying it and if you just have a bunch of AI just regurgitating the same shit that we've that they found on the internet, well, surely eventually everything's just going to sound the same, right? And yep. I don't want to live in that kind of world, you know. Not at all. I think essentially it just comes down to greed, doesn't it? 
Yeah. I think I, I saw an actor post Warner Brothers Discovery has saved like a hundred million dollars because obviously there's, they're not making anything at the moment. And it's just yeah. like, what? Yeah. <laughs> and I bet this, I bet the CEO banks a lot of that. It's 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 just down to as a nation, as as a country, and as a, as a world, it it's literally greed. Yeah, it is, and it's it's so sad because this is an industry that so many people love. Whether you're doing yeah. it as part as an actor or someone who's on set or whatever, or whether you're just someone that just loves to watch films, and I think even audiences are waking up these days that a lot of the stuff that we're seeing is, is soulless. Like it really is. And if we're gonna have more of that stuff and also squeeze out people who really do this because they're passionate about it, it's, it's dangerous territory. It's, you know, it's really gonna put a dent in our culture and about the things that we that we find important because at the end of the day, human beings are the lifeblood of this industry. 100%, and I wouldn't be surprised if all of a sudden you saw, say, say AI win, I hope it it won't, there's no way, but if AI won at the end of the day, you'd see like a movie mm-hmm. come out in 2025 with Robin Williams in it. You'd be like, hang on a second. But, do you know what I mean? Like that, yeah. Like all right. of a sudden people that have passed on will start being in movies again. You're like, yeah. well, hang, but but what's, uh, that's, that's the sort of level it could get to though. It could literally destroy so many people and destroy oh, so yeah. many lives and just, you know, who wants to watch a movie that's like, Oh, hey there, Tom. I see you've got pancakes. Do you like pancakes? <laughs> I mean, it'd be so rigid. There's no emotion. There's no, because there's no actual human there. Like, oh, yes, yeah. James. I love blueberry yeah. pancakes. Like, just like, no, not interested. Off you go. TV have become obsolete. Not no one will watch it. It's not me. Like, no one wants to see that. It's like, and there's already been talks actually about them bringing certain people back because they can do that. So it's it's freaking scary. And yeah. Um, yeah, people need to wake up. And it's not just our industry. I feel like AI is gonna, it's coming for a lot of industries and human beings are finding ourselves being like, hang on a minute, you know? So yeah, it, def- it definitely needs to be addressed. A hundred percent. It's going to affect a lot. I keep seeing things on like TikTok of people doing, oh, what if this person covered this song? So they can already make songs using people's voices about those people even needing to be there. Oh, but... yeah. There was that awesome track with Drake in the Weekend. You didn't hear it? I've not heard that one, no. But... Yeah, even Drake in the Weekend never heard it either. <laughs> you know? <laughs> exactly. This is the thing. It was so. It was so like it sounded just like them. I was like, oh my god, Drake and Weekend on a track together. They they didn't do any track together, but it was so good. And again, these performers have had their voices taken, their styles, their genre, their lyrics, and it's just been used. And where is the where's the parameters? Where's the limits? You know? It's so weird. It's I bet Drake weird. and the Weekend will do a song now they've heard that though. I'm going, hey, that's pretty fucking good, we should. Exactly. <laughs> They should. I'm like, AI, this is how you actually do it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lydia, this has been so much fun. I've absolutely Oh my God, guys, it has been insane. so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> but last thing for myself, I did just want to bring up a quote I saw from you in an interview because I, I like to end these things with like what I take away from it. And mm-hmm. I found this, this quote you said absolutely inspirational. And he said, these days I've been striving to just be that 1% better in everything I do, 
Nothing more than that, reminding myself it's a process. And when you do stop and look back, you'll see how far you've traveled up the mountain. You said something very similar earlier. And that is a beautiful way to look back at your career. And just, I really admire that outlook because as long as you're progressing, it doesn't matter if it's 1% of the time, just keep chipping away. And there's no doubt you'll be at the top of the mountain anytime soon. Yeah, 100%. I think a lot of amazing people share a similar sentiment. You know, there's that book, um, Atomic Habits by James Clear as well. Yes. And he mentioned about, you know, small habits. I think there is actually a book called The 1% Rule as well, which I haven't read, but um, it, it's that same sentiment in the sense of like, you have to just put, you know, each step forward. That's what you have to do. But because I was very much the person where I see the bigger picture, and I think this, in a sense, ties to, like, my writing and, and everything I do, you know. I would see the biggest, bigger picture, and I would think, oh, God, that picture. It fucking looks amazing, doesn't it? That picture. And then to actually put the first stroke on the page is so daunting because the picture is so amazing. And then I thought to myself, that you're, you're thinking about it all the wrong way. You need to fucking, you know, put the put the strokes. You need to splash that paint. You need to get the white paint and erase and then put something else on top of it, you know? It's that image of constantly evolving, constantly getting better, and just constantly trying things as well, and just not being afraid to say yes, because I was that person who was afraid to to put even one pencil mark on the canvas. And that's not a way to live anything. That's not a way to to be free. So I think it all kind of ties together that sense of putting the first stroke and also just getting 1% better. Beautiful. I, I love it so much. It's such a beautiful outlook. Mr. Stevens, any more questions for our wonderful guest? I do. I also have one as well, Lydia, before we do let you get out of here, which is obviously growing up in an African household, you know, loving EastEnders, you know, they're, your parents expecting you to go one way, you want to go another sort of thing to then modelling for Clearer Sill, getting on the stage and now working TV and movies. Did you ever think that this is where your life would be today? I thought I would be in an office as a lawyer. That is that is what I thought. Really? You know, in a, yeah, I mean, I did. I honestly did because, again, I could see that image of the Lydia that was an artist, and, but I could also see the reality that was in front of me. And sometimes you do have to kind of be delusional in the sense of, nope, I don't care what the reality in front of me is showing me and I don't care what people think I should be doing. And that takes a lot of freaking courage. It's not in the sense of, oh, um, I just woke up one day and I felt brave. No, absolutely not, because that would be a lie. It was more of a sense of, this is where I think I want to go. Do I have the courage to kind of step in that way, in that in that in that field and in the sense of no never did I dream that I'd be working with the people that I'm working with you know but at the same time I did also dream that I just didn't know who they were you know it was mm. kind of a thing of paint the picture keep moving and then eventually all the figures and all the places will just start to to just miraculously just come together and you just have Picasso you know easy oh. Oh. <laughs> Oh. oh, I love it. 
I sort of feel like you need to get a you need to land a role now as a lawyer just to bring it full circle. Right? Come on, <laughs> exactly. This is what I'm talking about. Just to bring it full circle, and I'll bring my dad on set, and I'll be like, "Dad, look, I am a lawyer." <laughs> <laughs> That'd be incredible. I'd love, Lydia. This has been absolutely unbelievable. I absolutely love sitting here and getting to know you and talking to you tonight. It's been incredible, but. Before we do let you go, any plugs, social medias, websites, anything you want people to go and check out at all? Yeah, so definitely check out Ghost of Beirut, guys. Uh, it's on Paramount Plus in the UK and Showtime in the US. And you can also find me on Instagram at Lydia underscore Mark. Yeah, seriously, though, thank you so much for taking time out and sitting and chatting to us. We've absolutely loved it. It's been great. Um, absolutely wonderful. Uh, thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed. I'm very, very excited to see where your career is going to go. So I'll be keeping yeah. tabs. Don't you worry about that. Oh, thank um, you guys so much. And hopefully you have me back because I would love to. And we'll talk about more crazy stories that I get involved in, right? <laughs> yeah, that actually sounds like a great idea. Let's do it. it. Does, okay, let's cancel it. <laughs> Amazing. Great. Perfect. Thank you, guys. Well, have a great evening, lady. Look after yourself. Take care. You and we'll too. speak to you soon. Take care. All right, guys. Take care. Bye-bye. This interview is absolutely phenomenal. I, I love this so much. It's so inspirational. And like the fact this woman is, as I said in the start, is spinning so many plates because she's just determined. And, you know, when you set your eyes on a goal and don't give it to achieve it, that's what this show is all about, is hearing those stories. Amazing. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and again, Lydia, just thank you. It, it's just all sorts of nuts and wonderful, and I love it. It, it, yeah absolutely goes up as one of my favorites of the year i think so far um so yeah we just really hope that you guys enjoyed listening to it as much as we did recording it do you know what right i've got i've got no comedy to bring this week no nothing comedy no nothing funny to add no hilarious anecdotes because it was all in the interview and I, how do you follow <laughs> on from that how do you follow on from something as glorious as that. I'm not trying to suck our own cocks or yours or mine or in any way, shape or form or any other which way, but it was just unreal. It really was. I I love that NC so much, but I, I've, I've only brought one thing this week and it's not really a comedy thing. It's more just an observation and a moan at how stupid people are. Oh, okay. Basically, basically, I was in Asda doing the, doing the weekly food shop, as you do. And it's that time of year. Well, it's not that time of year, but to retail, it's that time of year where they start getting ready for Christmas and shit and start moving things around. And the amount of times I heard people going, oh, they're moving things around. Why are they moving things around? Well, let me think, dear Doris. They move things around at this time of year every single year. Why don't people recognise now that this happens every year and they're surprised by it constantly? You know what? I've got a really good idea. What? It just came to me while you were having your little moan then. <laughs> Why don't they just have designated aisles for it all year round? Why sense. don't they, instead of just taking it down, putting it up, taking it down, just have an aisle full of it for the for year. Have an Easter aisle, have a summer aisle, and have your Christmas aisle, and then just don't move anything. Unless you have, obviously, have a big fucking free or whatever, um, or it's better because people need to see the, the produce first, uh, or however it works. Um, just have the dedicated aisles. Then people can just bitch and moan all year, can't they? Oh, my God, Christmas stuff out in February. Are you joking? Yeah, because it's the Christmas aisle, Dave. All right? <laughs> just don't walk down there. Don't walk down the aisle, Dave. And you'll be all right. That, what makes it, that works in shops like B&M. I, I don't know why other shops don't do it. 
I suppose it's retail minds. Like, we've got to make space for 750 million packs of stuff in. Otherwise, the people won't cope. I, I don't get it. I'm yeah, so, glad. so glad I'm not in that world anymore. <laughs> I love this. Like, gusts of wind about 60 miles an hour hitting your country for about two hours. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, literally, everyone goes fucking bananas just for a case, just for a little bit. And it, it turns out to be a breeze. Yeah. I could blow faster than that wind. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And everyone starts fucking pooing themselves. Absolutely <laughs> mental. Stupid, um, stupid world. But I think Brits love to have a moan, don't they? It's just, it's just, a, it's just in the British nature. I think. Yeah, I think it is. I was, I was going mad. I don't know why. It really was bothering me. Like every other hour, I was like, "Oh, they keep moving stuff again." I'm like, irritating fuckers. Get used to it. It's like clearly you didn't work in retail when you were younger. You can tell I, I did, and I'm just so used to people moaning at me over those years. I'm like, I'm butthurt every now. I'm like, ah. First things first, James. Yes. Happy 101st edition. I know, we're in the, right? We're in triple figures. It's, it's uh, what a feeling. What a feeling. Um, it's just, it's just, just, I love how every time I have to sing, you always have to join. Uh, is it, is it, thin, it. Is, it like, is it like yawning? It may be. Maybe it is. I don't know. Okay. Just enjoy singing. Someone's I love, I love the idea. I, I love the idea of just being around somebody and going, just out of nowhere, just one line is going D I S C O, and then just walk off. And it'd be like, enjoy that for the rest of the day, motherfucker. <laughs> that I'm the prime target for shit like that because if you sing something, it will probably be in my head, and I have to sing along. I don't know what it is. I just, I just do. But I can't help it. I like singing. Okay. Celebrate. Enjoy. Anyway, so come on, you can not finish that. <laughs> all I want to say, or I want to, I've got some shout outs actually. I want to throw out before we really get into the crux of crux of wanky bollocks. Oh, and first of all, I want to give a massive, massive shout out to special guest host, to legend and friend of the show, Manny Malpass, uh, yes. for for their skydive raising money for Mind uh, back over on the weekend. Um, it looked amazing. I watched the whole video on TikTok. It just looked unreal. So massive congratulations, Manny. That fair play. Absolutely fair for jumping out of a plane at 10,000 feet and not shitting it once. I think I think <laughs> on the ground, I'd be like, this is going to be amazing. It's like, and it's just a plane takes off and go like, this is absolutely amazing. I really don't want to do this. <laughs> no, I want to come down. <laughs> Whereas I would be terrified on the drive to the flying centre. Like, I would be, <laughs> I'd be terrified the moment I woke up that morning. Fuck that, no. I love you, Mally, but you're mental. No, I could not do that. No, no, no. no massive fair play. Absolutely unreal. But I, I think it'd be funny. I think Becky wake up and go, Fuck's Jamie gone? And you're just like, you've just left. You've packed your step and gone. Like you're hiding somewhere where no one can find you so you don't have to do it. <laughs> she missed you. She's like, this was your idea. I, I'm, I'm, why are you disappearing? Well, I, guess, I, I guess Olivia's doing it then. Um, <laughs> bye! Anyway, should we, should we go out for dinner? <laughs> Problem solved. Nah. Well, one way took it to Syria. Um, anyway, so... I also want to throw out massive congratulations uh, to former guests, Tony and Harry of the Mountie Band Defects, who have just got signed to Mascot Records, United Talent and Raw Power Management. But you, like, you deserve it. You massively yeah. deserve it. Absolutely incredible. So excited to see what's going to happen with Defects going forward. More shows, actual songs coming. Like, I'm just buzzing. Absolutely buzzing. So huge congratulations to you guys as well. So proud. 
so yeah. so proud. That's a band I'll always fly a flag for because they are phenomenal. And they're just lovely guys. Lovely guys. I just, yeah. just lovely humans. So <laughs> you know, what more? What more could you say? They're just genuine. They just deserve it. They're just genuine legends. They really are beautiful people. And finally, Jane, before we catch up, um, it's been a shit weekend for sports. That's all I can say. Um, so, you know, Scotland lost in the rugby uh, to South Africa. I mean, they, they, are, they are the world champions. So, but regardless, regardless of them being the world champions, we should still be, you know, up there contending and trying to beat the best of them. So, um, and then I was like, fine, I'll watch the Steelers instead. And then they got dicked as well. I was oh, like, oh my God. <laughs> I was like, right, well, uh, fuck me, I guess. So, yeah, bullshit. I'm kind of happy Scotland have got a week off the rugby now. We, this, this week it coming. I got a week off. Like, right, just all you can all play amongst yourselves. I'm going to fucking go and do something else. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm uh, yesterday. I would, I can't what time it was. I was like, I wonder like how Tom's feeling right now. So I actually googled the score and I was like, I won't message him. He might be a bit sad and angry. So but, but I, I, I was, I, I don't get angry over it. I just get like, fuck's sake. Do you know what I mean? You wait four years for a World Cup to come round, and you're like, this is going to be. Um, we've been playing. We've been playing unbelievable for the past couple of years. It's one of the best Scotland sides probably ever. Um, and you're like, this is going to be amazing. And then, I mean, we content. First half was great. We matched them physically, which against South Africa is fucking hard to do because they're the strongest team. The, the most physical team to play against. Um, and they're just so quick. I, I don't, I'm, I'm explaining it to you. You could be like, I have no idea what the fuck you're on about. I, I could so I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, so they're just also very, very quick. Um, <laughs> they call it at the breakdown when the, when the tackler goes down, you can contest for the ball. They are so fast at getting in there. You have to be like fucking on it. Otherwise they're going to destroy you. And six, three at half time to them. And I was like, Oh my God, it's only six, three. Like we've we got there's such a there's a chance we've got actually got a chance five minutes into the second half they scored twice and I was like oh 18-3. never mind never mind never mind it was fun while it lasted and that was the final score so it just yeah and four years ago we played Ireland first in the in the World Cup in the World Cup in Japan in 2019 and they beat us 27-3 in the fir- in the first game so we just don't like scoring tries in the first game I don't think it's, it's I think we're allergic to it. Um, but we have to play Ireland, who are the best in the world. Funnily enough, South Africa are second, but world champions. And then Ireland, we got them last on the 7th of October. So, yeah, that's going to be fun. It's only one game. It could just be bad luck on the first game and you bring it in. I'm not, I, I had everything crossed for you. I really wanted this this episode to just start with you just running in a circle going, Scotland, because you're so fucking pleased. But, yeah. You see, I post that same photo, I think, like three times online yesterday. Um, for the, no, there's no, I was so excited and I felt so sick, but so nervous, but so happy. And I was like, I don't know what this is, what's going on, what's happening to me right now. <laughs> but then the Steelers go and play the fucking San Francisco 49ers, who are probably one of the top three teams in the league, and they let us know about it. And they beat us 37. Oh. <laughs> so, and you're like, oh, cool. Well, there we are. Uh, I'm going to go cry into me, my pillow now. Good night. <laughs> But Jamie Westwood, because obviously NFL is now back. Yes. Fantasy is back. Oh, of course. And I, and I fucking won. So at least, at least, <laughs> at least that was all right. I would have much preferred Scotland to have won out of all three, but still, I'll take fantasy. It's fine. It's fine. 
The man can with my with my fake team and a fake. I, I'll take it. It's fine. <laughs> I take the wins where you can find them. It's fine. Exactly. Absolutely, man. It's anyway, enough about me whinging about sports for people who post that again. Oh my god, boys, get on with it. How are you? <laughs> yeah, I'm all right. Um, about to go start my first night shift of the week. We yay. But yeah, other than that, I'm all right. Yeah, just a little bit tired. But what's new there? Okay, have you you've been off, haven't you? Yeah, I'm just in permanent state of tired. To be fair. Is it because your body's going? I don't know. Yeah, exactly <laughs> that. My body clock just goes. I don't know. The, the the hands just spin constantly. Yeah. Are we doing this? <laughs> no. Are we doing that now? Right. Okay. That's gonna take about a day to a, to a day or two to adjust. Yes, I know, buddy. It's fine. Day <laughs> two later, your days already going. Wait, wait, hang on. But we just did the night. So wait, no. Whoa, hang on, hang on. Slow down. You've got to let me know, Jamie. Otherwise, I'd not. <laughs> and that's going to take me 75 hours to prepare for. Then you go into yeah. evenings. It's like, I just got ready for days. What the fuck? <laughs> it's, exa- it's exactly that. My, like I said, my body clock is broken. But it's fine. I'll be all right. Does it, is it, is every time your body, you change to a different shift, that you start out the countdown clock. Your body just goes, did it, did it, did it, boom. Yeah, that's when I doze off at work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But no, I've, I've, had a good, I've had a good weekend, so I'm in a good mood. But oh yeah, I'm just in a little bit tired. What about you, my friend? How are you? Yeah, well, other than the absolute dog shit that was yesterday, um, <laughs> I'm doing grand. I'm doing absolutely grand. Very chill weekend. Um, just watched a shitload of rugby. So just watched every game at the World Cup bar, bar Wales last night. So because the NFL was on. So um, yeah. I'm just so ready for my holiday. I'm sorry for three weeks' time. I'm sorry for my holiday. I'm sorry to fuck off for a bit. Um, and just, I'm heading to Barcelona, and I just can't oh, wait. Yeah. I just cannot wait to go see Blink Rate 2. Um, we've got a swimming pool in our hotel, so that's every morning sorted. Um, the thing, classic me, though, going, what's that to do in Barcelona? Why is it on every review of a travel thing, wherever you go, it's always pickpockets are rife. Oh, everywhere. Look out for pickpockets. Yeah. It's like New York. I went to New York. I was like, oh, I've got a real. So I had my hand, all my hands in my pockets for ages. And turns out I didn't need to. But again, when I went to New York, it's like pit pockets everywhere. It just seems to always find the bad, don't they? It's like the immediate thing is careful, you're going to get mugged, you're going to get stabbed, you're going to get everything. Just, but oh, by the way, the beach is nice. <laughs> yeah, there's a bit. Obviously... Do you know what? I, do you know what? Like, really blew my mind. I thought I knew where Barcelona was. I know it's in Spain before you say anything else. But I thought it was inland. It's on the coast, and I didn't know. Oh. For some reason, I thought it was by Madrid. So I was like, oh, it's an inland thing. And Karis was going, oh, no, there's a beach. Is there? She goes, yeah. It's a coastal city. Like, is it? So I looked, I was like, fucking hell, I didn't know. <laughs> um, yeah, it's right by the, the French border. Oh, in, the north, in the northeast. So I was like, oh, sick. That'd be all right then. I can't stand beaches, so I don't give a shit. But... <laughs> It, like, <laughs> I, I, I was going for a city break. I thought Barcelona, perfect. I always want to go. City, wonderful. Um, didn't realize it was a coastal city, but still, never mind. I get to go to the new camp and I get to go swimming. So I'm golden and I get to just go and sit in the bar and watch sports in the evenings. And apart from Wednesday, I go see Blink, providing they don't cancel. Um, well, yeah. So, yeah, so I'm, 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 re- I'm just ready. I was ready for a break, I think, because obviously new, my New York break was mental. So I didn't stop. Mm. So I actually didn't relax. And I'm wondering if that's why I'm feeling so fucking knackered. <laughs> could be. It could be. Do you know what I mean? I actually haven't spent time just going, I'm just going to do fuck all. Yeah, so it's definitely, so yeah, every now and again, you do need to just stop for 10 minutes. Like, 
mind you, saying that, I did have three weeks off work and did nothing. That's a good point, actually, yeah. So I've, everything I just said is completely <laughs> irrelevant. Ignore everything I just said. Tom's a prick. Who cares? <laughs> Get over it, you ginger twat. Um, James, how uh, what have you been doing yourself, my friend? Been a busy week. Uh, a lot of reanimating for most for most of it, as always. Um, but on Friday after work, I went to a friend's house for a barbecue. We enjoyed the nice weather, which was nice. I'd had a pretty shit day at work, so it was quite nice to just unwind and have a few beers and have some barbecue food that was nice um and then on saturday i went to go and see busted and it was and handsome and it was fucking awesome um yeah so damn good i missed the first support band because we went for a drink so i don't know if they were any good i can't really comment on that you didn't miss much i was gonna say from was, what you were was telling it, me I was it the time is it the time yes yeah a band that are not from newcastle <laughs> That 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 opened with with a cover of Teenagers by Michael Romance, and I was like, "Why play your own stuff?" That's what. Yeah, that's what. Yeah, don't worry, you didn't miss anything. Yeah, I remember last week you said they did a cover, but I didn't find out what the cover was in case I saw them. But I'm kind of glad I missed that now. Um, and they had they 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 googled the most common name in Wales and wrote it on a T-shirt saying they love the Tyne. And it turns out that the most common name in Wales apparently is Susan, which Keris shout out bullshit. Fair play to her. We all know it's Bronwyn. Um, I have no idea what the... Um, Susan, really? I don't know any Bronwyns. <laughs> I mean, like, deep in the valleys of Wales, that's all. Um, but no, Handsome are amazing. Not allowed out. No, probably don't know. Handsome are incredible, but they didn't play the song I wanted them to play. Absolute bastards. They almost got an angry ex, but no. Um, but they were great. So it's a song off the first album called Man from Milwaukee. It's a great song, and I really wanted them to play it, and they didn't. But they were absolutely great. Uh, they ended with Where's the Love? Incredible song. And then, of course, Busted. They were so damn good. Like I went along thinking, oh, Busted would be a good laugh, wouldn't it? They were incredible. And Charlie's got some pipes on him. Like, I'm so glad I went to that show. <laughs> it was absolutely was so much better than I had any expectation of it being. Absolutely unreal. So, did, uh, did you get excited by the dock by any chance? By the what? Sorry? By the dock? Dock? Back to the future? Oh, yes. Yes. Sorry. Fuck me. me. His name completely escaped me. It's Christopher something. His last name escaped me. I was like, shit. Christopher Lloyd. So. Because for Lloyd, I was going to say Reeve, that's the wrong person. <laughs> Definitely, very wrong person. No. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, 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 yeah. That's what I thought would excite you because, yeah, I thought it was very clever how they utilized that. It was really good. As soon as he came up, I was like, is that Doc Brown? And he looked at the prop and was like, fuck me, it is. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, incredible. Really good. If anyone else is going to see them on this tour, I'm not going to spoil anything because, in case you do plan to go one of the later shows, well, I already have. You're, but still. you're in for a trick. Eh, I don't care. It's fine. I went spoiling in the set list, but no, absolutely incredible. Really, really good show. Um, and then yesterday I had family and friends here for another barbecue because we just had loads of food left in the freezer from the last one. We thought, fuck it, let's get people around and have a barbecue, use it up, mate, before the weather disappears. And it has because it's been raining most of today. But still warm. Please make your fucking minds up. Um, and then what else have we done? Today. I'm off to work in a bit, and I also applied to appear on Wheel of Fortune today. That was it. Yeah. So, firstly, at least you got Hanson because yes. we never did. So, 
secondly, uh, what was I going to say? Jamie Westwood, what was I going to say? I don't know. I can't read your mind. I wish I could. What you do? What you, you had a barbecue? Yeah, yeah. Oh, weather. Um, yeah, it's been fucking boiling. You do live in the UK, right? You've lived in the UK all your life. Yeah. So you're now Doris moaning about the Christmas aisles in supermarkets. No, 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 no. I yeah, just you need to make it yeah, to because it's raining and warm. It's weird. I'm not moaning. It's fine. I expect it's called climate change. It's the UK. This is just how it is all the time. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> If you were a real ginger, not a fake one, you'd realise that when it gets really fucking muggy, you sweat regardless, and I can't stop sweating, and it's pissing me off. So it's just, I just need a massive fuck up. The thing is, we'll get a huge thunderstorm, and I'll still feel the same way. I'd be like, okay, cool, that did nothing. So I did that the other morning. I woke up, came downstairs, sat on the sofa, and literally just sat there, and the next thing you know, I'm dripping in sweat. I'm like, what the fuck's happening? I haven't moved. I wonder if they and if when it's thundering, it goes for the brunettes, for the blondes. <laughs> Gingers can fuck off. Moving on, next town. <laughs> yeah, absolute bastard. But what about you, my friend? What have you been up to? Rhiannoring, of course. Of course. Um, we did probably the world's hottest interview um, on Thursday night. That was uh, just an absolute sweat pit of. Well, you'll see. Uh, it's a, a wonderful returning guest. Um, so, uh, which obviously we'll just talk about when it gets. There's no point me telling you now because you'll forget. So, um, <laughs> yeah, the audience that is not you. Um, yeah, so there's no point in me. In me be, you know, I'm not trying to be all like announcement coming because I don't do that shit. Um, it's just I'll tell you close to the time, but it was the sweatiest, most phenomenal interview we've done for a while. Uh, I say phenomenal for a while. They're all great. Just enjoy yeah, them. Yeah. They're all one. You you'll, you get spoiled every week with us. Guaranteed. Um, so, anyway, so my modest hat off. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, obviously, interviews Thursday, and then the Rugby World Cup started Friday night, and that was me for the weekend. Oh, Literally. We France, New Zealand, Friday night was great. Uh, Keris had a mum over on Saturday. Uh, we watched... Or we watched the first three games and then a mum left. I watched the last game, which is England, Argentina. And then obviously I watched Japan, Chile, then Scotland, South Africa. So, uh, and I thought, fuck this sport. It's shit anyway. And turned it off. Put the NFL on. So we'd last went, fuck this sport as well. It's <laughs> shit anyway. Um, but last Wednesday was mine and Carrie's two year anniversary. Uh, so I, I cooked her a meal. We went for a walk. Um, yeah. And just, just had a bit of a chill. Cause obviously we worked. So we had a bit of a chill evening. Uh, and then she made me watch The Little Mermaid, yeah, which was, which was, which was great. You know, I just, you know, yeah. Uh, so there we are. I was just watching that before we came on. So I. Oh, Jamie, I know because nothing ever doesn't not get posted on Facebook. So you know, point, yeah. I know exactly what you're doing at all times. <laughs> I know when you're wanking, when you're for having sex, when you're asleep. I know everything about your life. So I keep forgetting to put the, that I put those pictures up. Damn it. I know. I mean, you posted your spunk. You might as well fucking show everybody. <laughs> I didn't post my spunk on Facebook. I posted it in the post box. It's different. Okay. No, I know. That's what I'm saying. That's <laughs> what I'm saying. Oh, I'll show the mailman. He can have a look. I hope he doesn't smell it. <laughs> Where are we going, Daddy? We're going to post Daddy's semen, my love. It comes at the end of your wee wee. <laughs> For anyone that is new to listening to this, they must be so fucking confused right now. I just think I'm a go weird back on burger. TikTok. Just go on TikTok. <laughs> yeah. and go back and 
<laughs> I'm not a weird per- postal pervert. Okay, let's just clip that cleared. <laughs> Jamie had a vasectomy. He had to stay celibate for seven days, and he had to jack off into a tube and post it. There you go. There That's you go. the breakdown of it. And I made him tell the entire story on the show because it was funny as fuck. Because bless old naive little Jamie thought he'd tell me a lovely little story before we start recording. And what did this prick do? <laughs> Wonderful. I can use this to my advantage. Advantage. <laughs> I'll make him tell this story on the show. <laughs> yeah, cheers for that. <laughs> and you're welcome. It, it, it's one of the best moments of the show out of, the, out of the last 100 editions, in my opinion. It's one of my favourite moments. So, because it was just, your face is phenomenal. <laughs> the face expression change is just so like. <laughs> It's, it's great. Pretty it's accurate so impression. <laughs> oh, you're too kind, oh. sir. But yeah, that's literally that's literally it. Yeah, it's been a quiet week, apart from all of the rugby. <laughs> Which I can't wait to do all again this week. I'm going. <laughs> right. I suppose now we're all caught up. I better go check in with this man over right here. Well, stay, yeah, but don't forget to say spread and it, stay cosy, because people on Spotify or Apple won't have a fucking clue what you're about. Yeah, it's fine. They'll find out in two seconds. All right. Is this thing on? Well, howdy doody, everybody. This is Braden Barry from Say We Can Fly, founder of Stay Cozy Clothing. Your one-stop shop for the coziest, most fashionable hoodies, t-shirts, and more. Gorsh, Mickey. That's right, folks. And we're proud to say that we are now sponsoring... The Chronicles of Podcast. Ouch. Hosted by... Tom and Jamie. <laughs> like, you can get 10% off, man. That's right, Shaggy. Just use the special code, The Chronicles, at checkout. Oh, boy. Oh. It's time for your favorite segment of the week. It's time for Tom. I'm joking. <laughs> Do you want to know something? Callum will be able to tell you in Callum's Treachings. It's cereal soup. Ooh. Callum is back to treat the nation. I've got, I don't, because we started talking about songs earlier, that's all I can do now. Um, Callum's back, ladies and gents. He's back to treat you all once again because he's an absolute legend. So, why wait? The anticipation must be killing you. You've had the interview anticipation. Now you've got Callum's Treachings anticipation. Jamie! Yes, sir. What is Callum treating us this week? If your pets have cancer, you can euthanise them. But if you have cancer, you can't euthanise yourself. It's a bit fucking I'm... deep. Jesus, Jesus Christ, Christ Callum. Christ, <laughs> Holy shit, balls. I mean, oh my God. Like, yeah. Uh, do we want to touch this? <laughs> do you want to go into this conversation? <laughs> I get what he's saying. I do get what he's saying. And it is... It's such a touchy subject because he's right. If your pet's not well, you can go, all right, then let's let's put it out of his misery. But, you know, if grandma's not well, you can't do that. And it is that it's that weird line of should it be OK? Should it not? It's, a... it's what, Doc? It's terminal. Oh. OK. <laughs> Time to say goodbye, Grandma. <laughs> I mean, I'd hope they do it nicer than blowing your grandma's brains out across the hospital. But, you know. <laughs> Imagine if that's the way it was. Like, it, it, like, I don't know if I want to touch this subject. If I should, if the Nazis had won, do you reckon that's what would be the case now? Oh yeah, more than likely. Yeah, there'd be guillotines everywhere. <laughs> more than likely. 
would not surprise me in the slightest. I'm afraid it's... Uh, I'm afraid it's... Uh, it's uh, for some reason, the French, we got through, we were fine. And uh, I'm afraid it's terminal, but you know Janice, you know, you know the score. Please, if you don't mind. I blunted the blade, so hopefully it won't go too fast. <laughs> Oh, oh, like just get like a massive sack of potatoes and throw it in the basket. Oh, she did. She got another one. Yeah. Run for your life, Jenny. Run for your life. <laughs> Be free. Enjoy the rest of your time before they catches up to you. <laughs> I don't know what accent this is. What accent is this, Joe? What's going it. on? It's like Northern and French and everything. German all rolled into one. It's great. What? Are the boys okay? Um, <laughs> Yeah, that's how, that's how I feel. That probably good, but you are right. It, you know, all joking and piss taking aside, um, it's probably something we shouldn't joke about. To be honest with you, um, no. I reckon, I fucking reckon the cure's there, or and I reckon it's been there for ages, and I reckon they all know about it, and they're like, oh, just give us more money because we're greedy fuckers. Just give, us, we've actually had the cure for years, but just give us more money. I I often wonder this generally because as the how many charities and research and money has been pumped into it by now if they found a not a cure but pretty much a cure for covid in a matter of months how have they not found anything for cancer after all these fucking years and how much money's been put into it i don't think they're telling the truth but that's just me in my tinfoil hat yeah no i'm with you and that's just my opinion and my opinion alone yes um yeah but uh, I don't know, man. It's just one that said, I think we should definitely and most desperately move on to the move next the fuck one. Yes. <laughs> so anybody that was offended by anything that we were said, uh, we apologize. It's just it's all meant to be ingested light heart of the show. We're just, you know, trying to make light of a of a really fucking shit situation. Very but Jamie. Yes, sir. What else is colour? Men don't realise how much they pee on themselves until they use a urinal while wearing flip-flops. <laughs> I've never used a urinal with flip-flops. I don't wear flip-flops. I can't. I could never fucking get it. I don't get flip-flops. How the fuck no, no, do you man. wear them? They're horrible. I hate them. Sliders need... are easy because they've got the big bow over the top and you can just put your... And then you can just literally... Don't... But flip-flops, how the fuck do you wear them? You put the bit in between your big toe and your toe next to it, and it's so painful and horrible, and I don't like them, and I don't like yeah, sliders. I, I don't like, like any of those sort of shoes. Sliders I love, because especially just around the house, because it's like, I'll put the bins out, but I have to go all the way downstairs and go outside, so it was just easy and convenient. Um, but it's when you have to like wrap your toe around that front bit, and you're like, what? Yeah. And it goes, whoosh, whoosh, every time you're like, mm, don't think I'm into this. This isn't really my thing. But I, I wear them sometimes at like the beach or like when you're on holiday and you go by the swimming pool. But every moment I'm wearing them, I'm like, I hate this. Fuck you. Fuck you, flip flops. I hate you. Oh, this sounds funny, but I absolutely hate you so much right now. But I'll be honest, Callum, maybe it's just because I don't wear them that often. I don't think I've ever pissed on my own foot while wearing them. I think I'm going to call you Khalees from now on. I, ha- I hate you so much <laughs> right now. I'll bet that's luck. <laughs> it just came in my head and I was like, this is good. I hate you. I hate you so much, right? Now. Oh my god, I hate you. I mean, first of all, why are you talk to shoes? And not even shoes, are they? You've met me, right? I know it's just nuts. I might put you might have to fucking section you. Um You're gonna say you're gonna have to you for noise me then. <laughs> I'm surprised that like and what surprised me most is that it doesn't like just saw through like through the your finger, not your finger, your toe, 
and it's goes like nah, and then obviously just splits your foot open because of how fucking oh, wow. how you have to grip onto that prick. But <laughs> and I'm gonna, I'm not, I'm, I'm happy to admit this because I know it's healthier. I sit down to piss, and I don't give a shit. Yes, we know. This I, has been documented. Yes. So I, I don't have to. I, I do use rhinos, of course. If I'm, if I'm out, I don't use the toilets out. Like, no, I don't know what's been on there. So, no, thank you. Oh, they're clean. Oh, are they? Mm, no, I not. bet they are. That'll do. I don't give a shit. Yeah. Like, <laughs> don't get me started with public toilets when you've got a young daughter. Trust me, it fucking angers me. But you're right. Everything, like, just again, Doris, do you want to calm down? No. <laughs> Everything. Like, the world annoys me. Oh my god! I'm so angry at everything. Flip flops. <laughs> Listen to them. Oh my god! I want this. is so annoying. Why do I wear flip flops? I'm breathing. No, I hate breathing. It annoys me. <laughs> I think that's all you've said this entire show. No, I got angry issues this week. I didn't even realise it. Jesus Christ! Felt like I was in a good um, mood. Apparently not. What are we talking about again? Pissing in your rhinos. Sitting down pissing. Oh my god. Where's this conversation? Where's this show going? What's happened to us? 101 editions in. And we're talking about fucking public toilets and pissing in your rhinos. 101 to it goes downhill, apparently. We've we've discovered. (laughs) Oh, Callum. He's he's picking his right up here. Um, But yeah, your rhinos are absolutely fine. Um, But again, I think I pretty much like cuddle the wall almost. So I, I think I'll be fine in that sort of sense because I, I, all I can hit is, um, I was going to say China. They're not made of China. Porcelain. What the fucking... Porcelain, thank you. My brain just went, what is it? What's it made of again? <laughs> and China was like, mum, get the fine China. Brings out a massive fucking urinal. There you go. Eat your dinner out of that. <laughs> oh, I can see my face in this. <laughs> so they call this cake today, urinal cake. Oh. Oh, anyway. Oh, God. <laughs> and finally, Jamie, what else is Callum treating us this week? The reason alcohol tastes like shit is because it's technically just poison. <laughs> I want me this week. <laughs> I wonder if he was trying to think of what adjective to use there. He went, the reason alcohol tastes like fuck, what's a word to use? <laughs> shit. <laughs> I'm really oh, I love like this week. It seems, it seems a bit, I don't know, they're a bit dark this week. I love him so much. I absolutely <laughs> love the man. Um, but it's true. Yeah, I've, I've ne- this is why, and again, I'm trying not to go down this this road of touchy subjects, but that's why I don't get alcoholism. No, normally. It tastes awful. It's not the nicest. Is it? A, oh my god, that beer's lovely. It's got a bit of mango in there. No, it just tastes like ass. Man ass, actually, to be to be realistic. To be fucking thrown with you here, boys. Um, that tastes like fucking that's awful. Why oh, you know, but it's got those fruity flavours. Oh. Cider, I get. Cider's fine. Cider's probably the only thing that does taste a bit more fruitier. Because mm. obviously it's just poisonous apple, I guess. I don't but I just lager and beer, I just don't get it. I, I enjoy a beer. I enjoy a beer, I'll drink it, but I've never been one to go, you could taste the hops. Yes, all the wheaty, the hops, the hops. No, fuck off. It's, it just tastes all right. I'm sorry. Hi, David Ambrose. You're right. Who <laughs> <laughs> the, the hops? You know, I've heard people hop, be like that with a beer. Like, oh, like, it's very hoppy, this one. What the fuck is a hop? I don't know. 
don't know, that's Peter Rabbit. Oh, God, um, I'm Doris just... again, haven't I? <laughs> I mean, you've been you've been so you've been so dark. I'm just going to call you Jamie Doris Wood from now on. <laughs> I'm sorry, but you jumped over. He jumped over that Peter Rabbit joke because that was fucking great. I don't care. That was that was... <laughs> but was it though? I wasn't sure. I'm proud of it. I really I enjoyed that. <laughs> I was I I jumped out literally. Hey. Um, he's back again because uh, I I didn't, I didn't know if I liked. It. I was a bit. My brain just went. Mm. Do you know what I mean? You know, when immediately I was like, mm, I don't think I like that. That, that, that was a bit too dad-like. That, oh, I bet it's pretty a bit sick. Oh, there we go. Um, <laughs> that might be why I yeah. enjoyed it because it's a shitty jad dad joke. Jad, I can't talk. I'm it's from the Middle East. It's a jad joke. <laughs> Where are you from? Um, anyway, sorry. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I was having a Moretti before we started, and I was like, I'm trying to go a bit more. Te- I'm trying to go teetotal, funny enough. I'm trying like not, but when it's like it's boiling hot, sports are on. I'm like, <laughs> mm. why does nice cold beer sound so nice right now? It does. <laughs> it's so weird. It's the, maybe the thought rather than the, I don't get it. Is there something in it that's like just relates it to sun and sports? Possibly. I, I don't It must be some sort of social thing. Really. You just like think, oh, beer with the lads in the beer garden with the footy on. You just sort of associate it weirdly. I suppose. That or my dad drinks too much. But, um, one or the other. <laughs> but yeah, it, yeah it's, it's odd. And barbecues, it's almost like the adverts, like, you know, like Yvonne Etniard from The Simpsons. What? Ivan Edniash, which back has joined the Navy backwards. Oh, uh, yes. I yeah. remember that now. Yes. It's almost like that at Carlsberg. It's like, you know, QBB for Carlsberg. Where it's like, you know, oh, if Carlsberg made this, it'd be the best, whatever. And then you're going, I'm really fancy beer right now. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe there's some subliminal messages in there somewhere that makes you think that it should go with football or rugby and barbecues and sunshine or, you know, or Welsh people. That's probably part of it as well. Yeah, in fact, you live in Wales. Yeah. So, you know, I'll literally, it's like, oh, I love a drink. Oh, I love a drink. <laughs> okay. Anyway, that's probably, <laughs> probably uh, and that was another edition of Callum's Treaching. Sorry, Welsh people, if you listen to this, I love you all. Um, But Jamie, once again, once again, Jamie, you know what's coming. I have to oh, fucking yeah. follow this. Yes, you do. But luckily, it's not. But luckily, it's not morbid. It's time for Tom's journal. And welcome to another edition of Tom's journal. Right, and I'm starting off with a fucking banger. Oh, that's what we like. The first rule, Jamie, a Fight Club. Is that payment is due on the 10th of every month. The second rule of Fight Club is that they'd really like me to stop calling it that and start calling it daycare, like it says in their sign. <laughs> okay, I didn't see that coming. That's great. <laughs> Just dropping the nipper oh. off at Fight Club. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, why are bugs coming to my room? You guys have, like, the whole of outside. Fucking good point. Why are they coming in here? What's this? Literally, dude. Two, three days ago, a moth. It was like it was fucking massive. That all its dust is over my wall. That's how hard I hit it. 
Oh Jesus Christ! It left a massive dust mark all up the wall. I'm going to, have to repaint. I'm going to. There's no dust mark on the wall at all <laughs> when we move out of here. <laughs> but I'm not joking. A big, big white fuck. It's huge. What? Jesus Christ! <laughs> this is great. I just tell you. I, I just tell you. So, just edit this bit out. Uh, me and Brayden played Rocket League last week, and the team that we played against had the greatest team. We were laughing about it for hours. Had the greatest team name ever. They were called Fingies in My Bum. <laughs> really we had so much fun for ages, just just taking the piss out of it. It was great. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, this is the British way of staying at somebody else's house. For you people, for all you non-Brits out there. You lie in bed for hours waiting to hear signs of life. <laughs> you wonder if the bathroom is free as you need the toilet since 6am. <laughs> you finally detect cooking smells and make your way to the kitchen and discover that everybody went out hours ago. <laughs> <laughs> it's so painfully true. Yeah, you do. You just lie there. I'm out of times when I've stayed at yours and I'll be awake for ages and I'll just be lying there again. Signs of life. Come on, signs of life. I'm so bored. Why do we do that? Just go to the <laughs> fucking toilet. It's so weird. But we all do it. <laughs> We're all friends. You're staying at their house. You clearly know this person really well. But for some reason, like, oh, I don't want to annoy them. I don't want to be rude. Or <laughs> I, I don't know. I think rude. it took you like three years to start making your own brew if I was still asleep in the morning. Possibly. Because I would go, James, just, make, just help yourself. Like, it's all good. Uh, I either go to work or I'll be at whatever and you'll be up before me and I'm and then it's about three years and you're like oh I made a cup of tea like finally he's finally done it <laughs> oh anyway anyway I want a pizza Jane but I don't want to pay for the pizza I need a pizza daddy a Papa John if you will <laughs> That is fucking brilliant. Uh, I like that one a lot. It is a stellar journalist. It is a stellar journalist. Not, not, not to suck, not to suck my own dick. But... Oh, that is great. As at fifteen, why do my parents insist on watching so many lame home and garden shows? As at twenty-eight, oh my god, those splashback towels really make that kitchen pop. It's so funny because it's so true. I used to fucking hate those shows as a kid. Hate them. And now I'm like, well, I really like that bedroom. It's a lovely colour. I'll never sit there and watch them. Like, it's not my sort of thing to watch. But if they're on, I'll be like, I won't pay that for that house. That's quite nice, actually. We should do something like that in the kitchen, shouldn't we? Like, you get yourself really invested. You're like, why am I watching this? Why am I enjoying this? (laughs) If only I was a home runner, Jay. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Isn't it really mental how when you go abroad you suddenly start treating money like monopoly money? <laughs> Ten euro for one scoop of vanilla ice cream. No bother, mate. Is twenty. Keep the change. <laughs> so true. And you also arrange it in your wallet like fucking Monopoly money, like all the ones, all the twos, all the threes. Like... I do that as well. Why do we do it? <laughs> I did it in America. 
But it's because obviously because of New York and there was quite a lot of like, and they're like, oh, we got a spec. And I, so I was going, I know the ones are at the front, so that I, to, I had like a wad as well because we're going to Raw. So I was like, I don't want to whack it all out. So I was like, in my back pocket, going, I know ones at the front. So let's go. Yeah, there you go, mate. Ah, and let go. <laughs> Shit, that was yeah, one from the back. Fuck. It's a hundred. It's a hundred bucks. Like, oh, can I have that back and I'll give you a one instead? I gave. I gave. Um, this homeless guy a couple of bucks. He's like, "Oh my god, thank you! You're amazing. I can feed myself." Blah blah blah. Another guy stopped me. He worked for a homeless charity, and he went, "Oh, if you can spare spare." So I gave him a buck. He went, "You're not got any more. You know this. You got more. Have you got more? Have you got more?" And I went, "No, actually, I don't." If you're going to be a prick fuck? about it, so I just ignored everybody else from then on. Anyway, one person spoils it for the rest. Of me. Yeah. My nephew, sorry, that was, I don't know where that came from. My nephew is five years old, and all he does is watch other kids on YouTube playing video games. So I asked him politely, why don't you play video games yourself? And he goes, well, you watch other people play football, so why don't you play yourself? Piece of shit. I turned the fucking Wi-Fi off. <laughs> touche, small child, touche. <laughs> it's oh, so sorry. true. I remember. I think it was Lena was watching like them stupid buck videos of like kids opening like surprise eggs. I was like, "Why are you watching this?" She was like, "Because I want to see what's inside them." And I, she was like, "But why don't you just get some?" She's like, "Because you won't buy me them." I was like, "Good point, kid. Good point. They're fucking expensive. Watch someone else open. Yeah. <laughs> Go and get your own fucking job, and then you can pay them. Yeah. <laughs> Enjoyment by proxy. You carry on, kid. Her. <laughs> uh, I'm leaving you. Me." Wait, is it because I named our pets after rappers? Her. No. It's because this house is overrun with fucking farm animals. Me. Fine. Well, me, <laughs> Kendrick Lama, Chance the Rabbit, and Childish Lambino with Notorious P.I.G. and Dr. Nay and Quackamore don't need you anymore. Oh, incredible. I think Childish Lambino might be my favourite one. But... Oh, Dr. Nay is like, is really up there. <laughs> oh. <sighs> I enjoyed that very much. That's my level of pun. A couple more. Me as a kid falls 10 feet off the monkey bars. Oh, I'm all right. I'm okay. Me now. I tried to scoop ice cream that was a little too frozen and I dislocated my shoulder. Yeah, that's me. I felt that. <laughs> two more. Two more. And I'm done. Oh. British ways of politeness to tell you that, that you're lying. <laughs> one really two well that's not strictly true three <laughs> that's not what I heard what? four but did you though <laughs> five maybe I'm remembering it wrong six interesting <laughs> seven I took it to mean something different that's a good eight that's not my understanding Nine, ladies' favourites. Mm. Ten, we may have heard different things. Eleven, I think you'll find. 
12. Recollections may vary. 13. Well, that's one way of interpreting it. And finally, if you say so. Oh, that's you. That is you all over that one. That is... No, I just go, you're fucking lying about it. Why are you telling me that? It's bullshit. <laughs> that's a good point. Actually. <laughs> <Yeah>. Right. <laughs> and finally, oh. do not join in. Otherwise, you will miss these glorious lyrics. Okay. It's getting goth in here. So put on all black clothes. I am getting so goth. I'm going to put the crow on. <laughs> and that. I didn't need to know I needed in my life as a goth remix of that song. <laughs> was another edition of Tom's Journal. And Jamie, it's now over. That is fantastic. I enjoyed that. It's about getting into schools and talking to young people because, you know, I I know that people can change. Uh, and And it's about talking to people and getting them to understand and perhaps step back from violence and, and prejudice and whatever. And we just need to work together and keep on the good fight there. Absolutely. Hey there, guys. We are ecstatically happy to announce that we are associated with the Sophie Lancaster Foundation. The times are changing, and with the unfortunate death of Sophie, those changes have made a massive impact for the future. If Sophie was with us still today, I can guarantee what you are doing will still be reaching so many lives of young teenagers, young adults, and those who wish to be as different as possible. So thank you very much. To find out more about this incredible foundation and all the work they do, and more importantly, how you can help, head on over to www.sophielancasterfoundation.com. Mr. Stevens. Jamie. Jamie. participation time. Well, let's all participate, bitch! <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to participate in Jamie's Participation Challenge. This week, I said, there's been many great late-night chat show hosts over the years, from Jimmy Kimmel to Graham Norton and beyond. This week we ask, if you were to host your very own late night chat show, who would be your first guest and why? I'll say you, Mr. Stevens. Oliver. I knew that would be your answer. Without a doubt, I knew that would be your answer. <laughs> because he's daddy, because he's king of the Zazus, because he's just a <laughs> fucking goddamn legend. And I think it would be one of the greatest conversations known to human man and womankind and them kind and every kind going. I feel like our answers are pretty much who would be your like top pick podcast guest, really, isn't it? It's the same answer, let's be honest. Because we all know mine's Kevin Smith, so you know. Oh, I, I was gonna say Paul Stanley, but there. Uh, nah. See, either overall, I'll I'll be happy. But yeah. 
Although I don't know how you contain Kevin Smith into a small slot of a chat show because it never ends well when he does them because he just can't shut up. <laughs> but let's get into some audience answers. First, we have Saskia Turner Edwards who says Louis Farouk. That oh. would be a great guest. Louis Therux, yeah, that'd be incredible. <laughs> oh, it's a great surname. <laughs> it's not a great surname, but he'd be amazing. Oh. The match shit he's done there. That's like a that's like a 15 parter, that is. Yeah. I, again, someone I would love to have on this show. The amount of different people he's spoken to, like in phenomenal career. Mark Woodyat. Steven Spielberg. Of course. Of course. What again a phenomenal guest that would be. Chris McCluskey says The Rock. Yeah. Again, great. Although I wonder Stella. if he just cut a promo the whole time. Do you reckon? Part of me thinks he would, but you never know. He's a very nice, he seems like a very nice guy. I saw a great video of him earlier with his daughter just drawing a face in the back of his head full of fake mustaches. Absolutely brilliant. <laughs> Dean Salmon. <laughs> My mum asked her what the hell she was thinking keeping me. What's <laughs> I didn't know how to react to that. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry? I was saying, not knowing him, I'm like, is this a joke or is he being kind it's of def- serious here? It's a very Dean thing to say, put it that way. There we go. That makes sense. Oh, Lydia Manson, again, knocking out the park. What a great guest. This would be Jack Black. Oh, phenomenal guest. I feel like I'm, we're writing a fantasy list for this show with people suggesting to. It's great. <laughs> John Weldon. Stephen Fry again. Oh. oh, oh, what a guest! Ollie Roylands with something a bit controversial, but it would work. Donald Trump, think of the ratings. Absolutely, he's not think wrong. Of, he's think not of wrong. Them ratings that would be advertised on Oprah Winfrey for about six months before it even aired. Let's be honest. Oh, my father, John Westwood, Kylie Minogue. Of course you would, Dad. Of course you would. Oh, oh, for that of reason. Course okay. you would. Of course you would. You wouldn't be want to talk about it. So, Kylie, you've had your 10th your tenth album, Scott. It's wonderful. And have you seen my cock? I mean, <laughs> have you seen... <laughs> I know my dog, cock. I've been looking at my dog for fucking ages. <laughs> Gemma Williams. This is really sweet. It's made my heart do a little flutter. She said, Gemma Williams says, The Chronicles of Podcast Guys, because I'd never forget my friends and who helped me in the early days. Yeah, well, come on. Your chat oh, show, yeah, Gemma. Gemma. What do you want? What do you want, Gem? <laughs> come on. What is it you're after? <laughs> I'm joking. I am joking. It's massively appreciated. <laughs> I've got two left for you. Our two favourite people every week when it comes to these. First, we've got Mr. Ryan Williams. This is actually a little tough because I always said, oh, I want to meet this person or that person. But I've never actually said, oh, I want to actually have a sit down and chat with a certain person. At least not people who are alive. I mean, do I pick somebody who would edify myself and the people who are watching me? Or do I pick somebody for entertainment purposes? If they were still alive, it would have been a toss-up between Stephen Hawking, Robin Williams, Steve Irwin, or Stan Lee. What a roundtable of guests that would be. Just Robin death. Williams would, would have been my other one, but he's you know, obviously he's dead. So, yeah. So since I'm assuming I have to pick somebody who's still alive, I would pick Rob Paulson. Great choice. Dwayne The Rock Johnson, here he is back again. Stevie Nicks, yes. Rupert Murdoch, I know the name and can't think who they are. Why? Why Rupert Murdoch? I can't think who that is. Why Why do I know the name? He owns Sky, doesn't he? He's a massive Tory prick. Oh, that guy. Yes, I do know that guy. 
to fair though, it might be quite interesting to pick his brains. Some of these people, like Trump, are be interesting Trump. to pick his brains. Or Neil deGrasse Tyson. Again, that'd be a great conversation. Oh, I bet he would make you feel fucking stupid. <laughs> he makes me feel stupid in 10-second videos I've seen him in, let alone a full-blown conversation. <laughs> yeah, Neil deGrasse Tyson's a bit of a legend. That'd be amazing. Last but not least, it's Mally Malpass. Taylor Swift. Without a doubt, it would be an immediate ratings hit. If she felt uncomfortable with any questions, I imagine she'd just shake it off. But she knew I'd be trouble when I walked in. I'd probably only go to her interview once because we'd never, ever, ever get back together. But there wouldn't be any bad blood. Mally, you know when I congratulated you at the start of the show? I might take it back. <laughs> ah! No, I'm kidding. Fucking brilliant. That's a proper... Uh, go on. I was going to say that that is the sort of answer we love here. Good old play on words. I love it. That's a good answer that Jamie loves here for everyone. It's like, <laughs> and anyway, you can't fucking speak for me. <laughs> he he says with his dad jokes in his journal. <laughs> I was going to say it. Yeah. Sorry, man. No, that, that, no, that's great. And again, we absolutely love when everyone participates in Jamie's challenge. So thank you so much to everyone again for participating in this one and for all the past 100 editions that you've all participated in previous. So thank you very, very much. If you enjoy Jamie's participation challenge, Tom's journal, Callum's treatings, the interview, and all the shit we talk for no fucking reason in this episode and every episode as well, then you enjoy the other 100 editions. I love saying that. The other 100 editions that you can find on Spotify, Apple, Google, or wherever you get your podcast from, wherever you, whatever platform you use, you'll definitely find the Chronicles of Podcasts on there. But I would recommend going to YouTube, and that's where I would recommend you would, you would view us from because you get to look at us. Well, uh, uh, oh, look at you! Mm-hmm. I mean, you get to watch it is what I meant, and listen to it at the same time. You see all the hijinks that go on, especially with this interview with Lydia. It's just absolutely nuts and so great. Um, I've lost myself now on our YouTube at the Chronicles of Podcast. All I need you to do is hit that subscribe button. To all of you that have subscribed to the channel so far, you're all absolute legends, all 266 of you. Thank you so much for subscribing. Let's keep that ball rolling, boys and girls and everybody else. Hit that bell to get to get notified when videos are released and comment to your heart's content. Here is what you can find. All of our interviews are on there. All of our shows are on there. All of our um way hashtag wbw way back wednesdays are on there that's all previous interviews from our previous channel all our bloodstock live interviews from 2022 and 2023 are on there our bloodstock vlog of the sophie lancaster foundation is on there from last year the dublin crust vlog is on there from last year go and check that out in cinemas by the way in omniplex this week and all of our 2000 trees interviews are on there as well. I mean, there is so much, there's over 400 videos for you to enjoy. So much content on there. So many laughs, so many great moments. You can also find us on Facebook at the Chronicles of Podcast. Please like our page, share it everywhere with all your mates and just tell all your mates about us. That's the main thing. That's how you get the love, spread, spread the love. Let's spread this love. We do this for free every week because we fucking love it. You can also find, no, wait, hang on. Before I get started again. I almost tripped over my own words then. Jamie? Yes? I had a thought, but now it's gone. Where else could you find us? Making sure you're checking out everything that our wonderful guest Lydia Mark is doing. Check out just all those space plates that she is a-spinning. Absolutely. But come and find us on the Twitter. No, so sorry. On the X. Twitter. At TCO Pod. And whilst you're watching every spillate, no, no plates that Lydia Mark is spinning, and on our X slash Twitter, where else could you find us? 
walking around Asda just wondering why have they moved everything? Because eh. you could do that or be on our Instagram at TCO Pod. Come and find us on the TikTok at TCO Pod. You'll go and find Jamie's Chesney Hawks video. Watch the Joe Gash interview. It's absolutely hilarious on there as well. Um, come and find us on LinkedIn at the Chronicles of Podcast. Connect us on there. Come and find us where uh, every social media we're there. We're here, there, and everywhere. Come on down to our beautifully brand spankingly sexy and wonderful little website at www.thechroniclesofpodcast.com. You can find out all about us are on there. All of our episodes are on there. All of our shows, uh, all our affiliations and sponsors are on there. And our shops on there as well. Come and get yourself some TCO Pod merch. You know it makes sense. That's our YouTube. Subscribe at the Chronicles of Podcast and all of our socials at TCO Pod. And now I believe we should all hear a word from Jamie. Oh, yeah. Before we get out of here, let's say a massive thank you to a few of our friends. Every single piece of music you hear on this show, whether it be the opening tune, the jingle tunes, the music you hear on our, our vlogs and our Bloodstock interviews, all comes from one man. And that one very talented man is Mr. Singer-Songwriter Matt Roberts. Go check him out on all social medias, at Matt Roberts Music. Go give him a follow on Spotify, wherever you get your music from, making sure you are checking out his latest single, Rat Race. It is absolutely incredible. Share the love with Matt. Give him a follow. Tell him we sent you. means the absolute world for all of you've done for us. Massive thank you, Mr. Matt Roberts. And, of course, we have to say a massive thank you to Braden Barry and his Stay Cozy clothing Go to www.staycozyclothing.com or download the smartphone app. Take a look at what you look on. Take a look at the website and see what you like the look of. It could be this T-shirt that I'm wearing. It could be that hat that Mr. Stevens is wearing. It could be a vinyl copy of Braden's most recent album, Beneath the Roses. It could be those beautiful mugs. There's so much to choose from. Whatever you like the look of, stick it in your basket. When you get to the checkout, add that discount code, The Chronicles, and get yourself 10% off your order. A little present from Mr. Barry to you, our wonderful listeners. And of course, we have to say a massive thank you to the Sophie Lancaster Foundation. They're stamping out prejudice, hatred and intolerance everywhere. And I mean everywhere. Yes, what happened to Sophie happened here in the UK. But it is not a UK issue. It is a global issue where people from the alternative subculture are being treated differently just because the music they listen to, the clothes they wear, no matter what it might be. And it is now 2023. Yes, the world is getting a better place for people, but it is still a lot of work to do. So please head on over to sophielancasterfoundation.com. Familiarise yourself with Sophie's story. Familiarise your friends and your family with Sophie's story. Let's work together to make this world a better place for the next generation of people growing up. I am currently working on the Sophie Lancaster vlog from this year's Bloodstock. I've been doing it all day today. I cannot wait to get this out here for you guys to check out. So please make sure you are following us on our socials, on our YouTube, like Mr. Steven said earlier, so we can bring that to you. Again, a massive thank you to our wonderful friends at the Sophie Lancaster Foundation. And last but not least, a massive thank you to my wonderful co-host there. How are you? Thank you very much, Jane. Appreciate that. And uh, the feeling is mutual. A massive thank you to you too. And edition 101 in the books, my friend. We love it. We absolutely love it. We hope you all enjoyed spending your time with us again. Thank you so much to the bottom of our hearts for being here each and every week. Whether you watch a minute or the whole thing, it just means the world. But as for this week, we're going to see you all next week for the... (laughs) Let me start that again. As for next week, we're going to see you all next week. For the Chronicles of Mark Woodyatt, the host of Mark and Me podcast. Yeah. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs>